You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Ha ha! This is Lord Zed, and you're listening to the Grawlix Podcast. Listen carefully. You will be tested at the end of the show. Lord Zed, signing off. This is Melanie. And in the future, people will complain about how slow their terabit internet connection is. This is Jesse. In the future, when Marvel does their next, next Secret Wars event, it will be an actual secret, and no one, including the authors, will know that it happened. This is Randy. In the future, comic book readers will wonder what cranky old men of comics mean when they talk about on-page ads, because they will have never seen an ad in the pages of their favorite comics. Comics like... Butterfinger Man, The Dark Chocolate Returns, The Uncanny Twixmen, and the age-old classic Batman and Red Robin. Yum! Welcome to the Grolux Podcast. Another exciting episode. I think this is episode 18? 18, maybe. We're getting up there. Yeah, pretty soon we'll be able to drink. Woo! I am nodding emphatically. (laughs) 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 All right, we have have a full show of exciting stuff. We read all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are going to... I'll go ahead and just, like, I'm not even going to bury the lead. We read... Uh, of course, our poll list, or not our, yeah, our poll list pick for this month was Planetary by Warren Ellis and the artist, who I will talk about when we get closer to it, um, <laughs> whose name escapes me and I don't want to turn my phone on right this moment, and Oink, Heaven's Butcher, which I have a feeling, I mean, I'm sure the book was the same, but I have a feeling that what Melanie, Melanie and I read is quite a bit different than what Jesse read. And then um, another Dead Air with... Uh, the Walking Dead Volume Two. Huzzah! Yep, and they were all very good. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, you're in for a treat. Yeah. A triple treat. A triple delight. Ooh, <laughs> makes me want to go to Dairy Queen. <laughs> so this is like a Neapolitan of comics excellence. Oh yeah. Yeah. The question is, where do we want to start, and are we going to jump right into it? I imagine we kind of would, but yeah, we, you... we probably should. Otherwise, we won't get through it all. But I would think because it's not one of our regular bits, maybe we should start with Oink, especially. And plus, I feel bad because we we had wanted to do it last time, and you and I didn't get it, get through it before mm-hmm. before we recorded. So, yes, okay, we'll talk about Oink. And I have sounds a, good. I have a little bit of information about it. All right, let's hear this information. Oink, Heaven's Butcher, written with art. By John Mueller. He did it all. Awesome. He did it all. Whoa. Um, and let's see here. Uh, just hit its 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, so they released a uh, a kind of a remake. Like, he basically kind of remade his own book. Oh. Melanie and I read the original, like, three issues that made up the graphic novel. And Jesse, I believe, read the... Um, like just recently released graphic novel reissue. Yes. 
remake? Yes. Uh, on the back it says, newly remastered for its 20th anniversary and in featuring entirely new sequences of story and art. Mm-hmm. Which we did not read. <laughs> no. Whoops. <laughs> we read the old stuff, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be tough to compare because I don't think either... Either of us, I don't think we know the differences, but that's right, okay. Right, No, we haven't conferred on this at all, so um, that'll be interesting. I did see just whatever they released for promotional images online of, like, the new art. Mm-hmm. It does look pretty amazing. I think the old oh, art, yeah. old art looked really great. Mm-hmm. And, it's, it suited the story really well. <clears throat> and the new art looked, had kind of the same style, but mm-hmm. it just had an extra gloss to where obvi- the, the artist is obviously, like, evolved and Mm -hmm. and and uh, you know not to put down the old art but improved quite a bit Mm -hmm. so um yeah yeah what i'm looking at is like digital paintings i mean yeah Mm. i think the older stuff was just a little um it's really i and i think you put it you put it well with the digital paintings because the older stuff didn't quite have like um, the depth in the color and the gloss that it, that I saw in some of the pictures of the newer art is it is it like the the textures like looking at the opening when you see uh, our lead character he's got some crazy like crow's feet and wrinkles and stuff and uh, the textures inherent there are like wow um, it's still, it's still very, it still is, you know, has a painted look, I guess not so much of a digital painted look. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, there are like different, some of the sequences are different, like totally different layout. Yeah. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But, um, anyway, that's the story I believe is the same. Um, so, I hope so. <laughs> so we can talk a bit about that and, uh, I'm not sure where to lead off on this, I guess. How we felt, I guess, how we felt in general should be what we end mm-hmm. the discussion on. Yeah. Do we have like a synopsis of what the story is we about? Do. Okay. Here's a synopsis. I think this is the official like synopsis for the re release. Um, in a dark, oppressive future, pigmen work tirelessly as the slaves of human masters, feeding a society they cannot fathom. When Oink realizes that the dogma being forced on them is all lies. He undertakes a path of revenge and revelation. Reprinted or re oh repainted. Entirely oh. That's what it says, repainted, entirely new sequences of, of of story and art. In Orwellian fantasy, a dark commentary on our world. So I had never heard of this. Um I I believe you picked picked that graphic novel yes. up and uh, you informed me about it. I broke the first rule, which is I judged a book by its cover. Uh, I saw the previews on this, and I was like, hey, that looks creepy and cool. Maybe I need to read that. And so I added it to my uh, to my poll list for the month. And, uh, and uh, yeah. I think this book is one of the rare, um, uh, what are you, exemptions for, of, from that rule? <laughs> of the rule. Well, and, and I read the, you know, like I read the solicit for it, and it, mm-hmm. You know, it said that it was like the 20th anniversary and, and it's highly acclaimed. And, and so I thought, ooh, well, you know, I mean, they sold me. They sold me on the on the cover. They sold me on the uh, highly acclaimedness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, real quick, I, this is, I don't judge books by their covers, but I judge comic books by their covers quite a bit, actually. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of funny, yeah. though, because 
comic books, like, notoriously, you can't judge by their cover because oftentimes the cover's not even by the same artist who did the That's true, yeah. inside. Okay, but, like, uh, Revival, I was like, that's an awesome cover. I want to look in there. And then I looked in there and I'm like, this sounds awesome. I want this book. And then it ended up being good. Well, good and covers. Like a couple like that. Like, Witches was another one that caught the, it was the cover mm-hmm. caught my eye. And I was like, oh, what's this? I have to look at it. Good covers can totally sell a book. That's for sure. Yeah. But um, I did not see the cover, and I didn't know anything except for the title when I started reading this book. Um, well, I knew that Jesse had suggested we read it, but I didn't know anything about it at all except for it was called Oink, and the main character was a pig man. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I first started reading it, I mean, it was good, and I was interested in stuff, but I had like all these questions that I'm like, what's going on? What's, what about this? What about that? Why, are, why is this like this? And why is that like that? Yeah. Um, and I like that. I like it when... I have to read more because, because I'm so curious about it. That's a sign of a good book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really just throw you in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is definitely one aspect of the of of the story that I enjoyed quite a bit is that it doesn't it doesn't necessarily handhold too much. It just does it does just throw you in, mm-hmm. and then for the most part, anything you question gets answered eventually by way of the main character coming across it. Mm-hmm. Um, you experience, like, you learn the world as he, in a way, as he kind of, like, is exposed to it. So that's helpful mm-hmm. in that a lot, like, the larger world um, is unknown to the main character until partway through the book mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And then I think the story is, the story is simple enough and the themes are common enough not that it feels like it doesn't necessarily feel like a rehash, but it's 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 definitely themes that we've seen before and lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just kind of a another interesting take on on certain things that um, are handled pretty well mm-hmm. and very stylized. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the look of this thing. Um, yeah, it's dark dystopian uh, future for sure. Mm-hmm. It's the future, right? It's like the near future, I or believe it is the future mm-hmm. yeah. it is the future i don't know how how near or far it is but um yeah they they talk about you know um how things used to be which i'm assuming is like around now or something like that um when in the second book mm-hmm. or maybe not the second issue yeah the second part of the story maybe yeah yeah in the future is depressing. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Most of the time Especially it is. for the pigmen. Man, the pigmen get it rough. Oh, it is mm-hmm. super rough on the pigmen too. That was the, the part, one of the most interesting parts to me because one of the things that they didn't explain and I had to know what why it was that way was I'm like, okay, I can, I can accept him being a pigman except he works with pigs. So there can't be pigs like and pigmen. Like actual you know? pigs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I understood that they were like a lower class of people and whatever, and I'm, I was assuming that had something to do with it and whatnot. But I thought it was crazy that they would, and it seems like they did it with the whole society, not just the pigmen, that they used religion as kind of like a, I don't want to say military, but kind of like a military, you know, control. Yeah, like a, like a mandate, like mm-hmm. you do this because God said so. Yeah, but they also had like the angels and enforcers and, you know, the, the like, People that would you would think would be the good people of the church were actually part of this, you know, conspiracy to keep it. Well, it's not even a conspiracy. Everybody knows about it, you know? Yeah, no, the religious leaders were the leaders of the society mm-hmm. and the authority 
all all wrapped up together. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, it is a dystopian future with a very corrupt authority. Mm-hmm. So they are uh, the bad guys. I think it's interesting that beyond, um, and it goes without saying that, you know, spoilers and stuff, mm-hmm. beyond these certain, like, uh, various priests and stuff, Mm-hmm. And the angels or the bounty hunters or the enforcers or whatever. Yeah. Um, you don't really meet hardly anybody else from the outside world other than uh, the old lady and that big, her her son or whatever. I think the, it was her grandson. Her, her grandson, the big guy. Yeah. yeah. I think he runs into a couple like thug types on the street. Oh, yeah, that's right. When he first, yeah, when he gets out. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even the people we do meet, a lot of them don't seem... In- like the angel specifically, uh, obviously had lots of weird stuff done to him, and a little bit it seems like some of the other people too. Yeah, everybody seems a little bit changed mm-hmm. by whatever the future is. Mm-hmm. I I really liked the character design on most of the characters. Everybody looked gnarled and chewed up yeah. all the time, uh, and I liked. I like the the security guys and the angels and the enforcers. I like the mm-hmm. the gas mask guys in suits with a halo put yeah. above their yeah yeah. Some I remember things. seeing that and thinking that you might dig that. Oh yeah, look. for yeah. sure, for sure. Um, and just the look of like Oink and the other pigmen mm-hmm. is interesting because you know they're big ripped like human bodies mm-hmm. with with this gnarled pig head. Uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's the head that makes them pigmen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, because they basically have like human hands and everything. Mm-hmm. Did we... Like maybe a little thicker uh, fingernails and stuff. But did they ever show their feet? I don't remember the feet. Mm-hmm. I don't recall. Yeah, I don't know. Is they kind of wear? I think he wears boots. Okay. Just, just wondering. No, I think because you see some pig ladies, mm-hmm. and. I think, for the most part, they looked entirely human except for the head. Okay. So I think they had yeah. normal feet because there were some bad dudes in there. Oh, yeah. I know. So, yeah, this is this is heavy duty uh, mm-hmm. and gory. Um, I was talking, I think, uh, to you, Jesse, on Twitter a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I said one aspect I liked. It's essentially a revenge story. Yeah. In this setting. And it definitely has uh, consequence and heft. It's not like just a actiony, revenge, gory thing. It's mm-hmm. it's a dark, heavy story. I, I I I don't like the word revenge because it seems like more. It's not like you know you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you back kind of a thing. It's more like a you're horrible people, and this needs to end kind of a thing. You know. Avenge? Like a like a maybe. retribution, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Like, it's not a slight against him, even though you know, he's upset about the lies, and he's upset that his friend uh, was killed for telling the truth and trying to make them see the truth or whatever. And he's upset about all that, but once, like, I think once he gets out of, um, out of, uh, where, where, where the place where he originally works, I forget what it's called. Is that Heaven? No, heaven is the city he goes into. No, it's just the first building. Yeah. Was it, oh, okay. Did he work in the slaughterhouse? Yeah. They it they lived there. They worked there. They were yeah. always there. Yeah. Once he... Oh, it was the slaughterhouse. Okay. Yeah. Once he got out of the slaughterhouse, I think, and he realized 
the 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 size of it all, it stopped being revenge and became something else, you know? Well, and it's it, like I can see the revenge bit a little bit because uh, – is it Spigot? Yeah. Is that his father? I think it was just a friend. Oh, okay. Well, that changes things a little bit because he's like – almost a father like figure and he's kind of the first to like stand up mm-hmm. yeah. and, and he just gets crushed. Right. I really like how they played that in that. That's what put the thought into Oink's head that mm-hmm. this is wrong. Yeah. Whereas before he was just like everyone else mindlessly following mm-hmm. and it took this thing to, you know, get the when wheels he, turning. He starts, he starts questioning and then, was it like, I don't know if you'd call him the foreman or what, but he like shoves him into this, <laughs> like this pit of pig guts kind of thing. It's like your your questions, you can find the answers to your questions down there, hmm. kind of thing. And uh, and then it's not long after that where uh, Spigot kind of is like, that's enough, and does his little thing in the lunchroom. I'm not sure if I recall that bit. Uh. Uh-uh. Oh, I wonder how much was awesome, added. Though. Yeah, yeah, it's you know because one of the one of the things that he's like asking is like, why do we always like what are we eating? Like, do we eat pigs? Aren't we pigs? Kind yeah, of no, thing. that was not part of ours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's this, this whole lead in to that where he, he's really young, and he's like asking all these questions, and then I don't know if he's a, the father or what they call him, but he, he basically is like, yeah, all the, all the answers to your questions are down there. Go find your answers. And they shoves him down into this pit and just leaves him there for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... And then, then it goes on and he's like, as the years went by, my questions stopped. Oh, interesting. See what, what we read it. Um, it starts with oink in the prison like the uh, later stuff. And then it jumps, what it jumps back to is basically the scene where they, Spigot? Yeah, Spigot. Yeah. Well, he, it... he questions, mm-hmm. he stands up and says something during like their daily sermon thing or whatever and gets murdered right there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So they jump, they jump over that little scene then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, that's right where as the years went by, my question stopped and then it basically jumps into that. Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah, in this it did, it didn't add that. So you just got the you just had the assumption that mm-hmm. he he just never questioned it. Yeah, and it wasn't until I I think it was shortly after that that it had like a weird it was like art, but it seemed like a dream sequence kind of a thing of like uh the um it had all the pigs like just like going down conveyor belts into people's mouths and oh, yeah, weird yeah. things. Oh, I don't know. Huh. Mhm. Interesting. We're gonna have to compare versions sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because then they string him. This it's spigot, I believe. Mm-hmm. They string him up and make an example of him, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like attach him to a gear. Is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's okay. kind of like a. It was a cross. Well, it was a gear, but it was very much had a crucifixion look to it. Yeah, it did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's basically um, attached like he's on a crucifix, but yeah. it's. Yeah, uh, it had a cr- kind of a cross look to it, and then there's the bit where they're like force feeding the regular pigs until mm-hmm. they die, basically. Yeah, and 
that almost seemed like, if I recall correctly, the the final straw for him, or at least that's when he took his opportunity to leave and burn the whole place down. Mm. But it didn't happen <laughs> right away. It was like... No, yeah, yeah. He molded over for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it, too, well, besides his friend being crucified, was that, or whatever you want to call it, he, they put him up as an example, he was really upset that everyone just went on like nothing had mm-hmm. happened and it was just another day. And that, I think, upset him even more than, than the rest of it. Right. So he burns the place down and then escapes, is that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when we that's when we enter enter Judas and the uh, the angels. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, Warden Superior. <laughs> oh, the titles! I like the setting. I liked. I mean, it was just kind of dark and grungy, but mm-hmm. I like the idea that heaven is like just filthy, <laughs> full, of, full of pigmen. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. That's not very kosher. <laughs> okay, so heaven's not full of pigmen. Yeah, I know it's like a dirty funky city. Mm-hmm. Um It's like Judge Dredd meets Punisher meets Spider Ham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't know. I mean I guess I don't know how much to say about the actual story because it is pretty straightforward. Um, there's not a lot of characters involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, jump, jumping forward, because, I mean, like, we're, we're really nailing kind of, like, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, once he escapes, he meets that uh, that gal kind of in the... It feels like it's subterranean almost. Yeah. And then he meets, like, and, and she's got uh, Herbert. Mm-hmm. That's it. Which is like this uh, Frankenstein type dude, but his mouth is all sewn shut, and he's willing, you know, like he's willing to help Oink, like without question. He just mm-hmm. kind of becomes the sidekick real quick, and <laughs> things don't end well for him. No, no, they don't well, end well for anybody. Well, <laughs> no, that's true. It, it, it seems like um, what was the it seems like the lady, at least how it played out in here, so she removes the tracking device or whatever from, from Oink's neck, I believe? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, she rescues him in the first place. After he like got he went got out and got attacked or whatever and fought mm-hmm. off those guys, I'm pretty sure he was, like, dying, and mm-hmm. she saved him. So, mm-hmm. right there, you know. And then, and then she sent Herbert along with him to mm-hmm. go check something out. It was okay. He woke up and he, she had removed the tracking device, and that was when that's when we learned what about things. She mm-hmm. was basically filling him in on the history of the world. Yeah, you know, it used to be different, and there were wars, and then heaven won or whatever, and this is what we got. And then they made the pigmen you out of you know whatever, and explains all the things. I that guess we were there kind is some wondering. pretty straightforward exposition dialogue, huh? Yeah, yeah, and and that was why they were living in the sewers too, because they tried to tell people, and. So they cut out that one guy's tongue and mm-hmm. what blinded her or something like that. I uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she sent, she sent them to sent Herbert to show Oink, um, like the factories where, where they were made, I believe. Yeah. And then when they, when they return, mm-hmm. she's been burned or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And so I think Herbert is like, all right, well, I'm going to tag along with this this pig man, mm-hmm. um, kind of also out of a revenge thing. And like, what else has he got to do at that point? Yeah, and and plus, I mean, they had already you know cut out his tongue, and besides, before killing her, uh, you know, blinded his grandma or whatever, they were already kind of on the opposite side of the. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, the um, controlling parties. <laughs> I don't have know. you, have you guys ever seen? Um, uh, th- this is like a tangent, but not uh, Ralph Bakshi's uh, Wizards. Mm-mm. It sounds kind of familiar, but I don't. It's so. it's very it's very dystopian future, and it it has a lot of the like fascist uh, symbolism. And and I guess looking through this, like when they're taking out the gas mask angel, um, he's got a very like he's got the red armband, which has a has a gear on it mm. or the symbol of the, you know, heaven symbol or whatever. And it really just reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of the characters in wizards. Hmm. So I think I've heard of it, but I've never read it. I know what well, it's a movie. Um, but, Oh, well then there's a book that seems very similar. Yeah. But it's an actual well, book, it, not a comic book. Yeah. It might, it might, it might've been a book first. I don't know. I'd have to look into that, but like I, yeah, Wizards is pretty old. In fact, you can find it on YouTube and watch the whole thing on YouTube. Well, maybe we should have so, to do that sometime. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's it's magic versus technology kind of thing. Like magic has taken over, but uh, someone had discovered techno old technology in the form of like Nazi propaganda. Oh, and, nice. Okay. Yeah, and so it's it's got when I say fascist, that's that's what. It, they go straight Nazi. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it's definitely has that, um, you know, the fascist, uh, overbearing authority mm-hmm. thing going on. Um, lots of the, lots of religious imagery, lots mm-hmm. of, um, Nazi style imagery. Lots of matrix style imagery too. I mean, and, and then desolate, like, like he he walks across the uh, the lands beyond heaven and it's just nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Until he until he gets to the wall and then he he looks out over the wall and uh, says it's beautiful and beyond that like they don't really describe what he sees. That's kind of what Melanie was saying too, but and maybe it's different in yours. The, well, okay, the, well, in ours, like, he gets, he walks, he walks to the wall, and he climbs up on top, and he does say it's beautiful and whatever, but when he looks out, it is, it's like... More desolation. More, de- more yeah, more, like, desert. And, well, yeah. And nothing. And see, how I viewed it was, and it's a little hard to tell, at least in what we got, the right. last frame of that, he does, he walks up to the wall and looks over, and then there's kind of the shot of, like, more nothing... And there's, it looks like there's like the raised up, it would be like it's like craters, the craters, yeah. And I took it as heaven was in one of those craters, and he's looking out into this desert area, and you see other craters, mm-hmm. and in my mind, I'm thinking there's other cities in those craters, and that I kind of liked the idea of a glimpse at the world, the larger world beyond, even just that. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, because what I'm seeing is is different. They basically just pull away from him, and he's like backlit on top of the wall. 
Really? Yeah, so he's like standing on top of this car that is on top of the wall, and you just pull back away from him, and then eventually it's just the skyline of the wall with like the sun peeking through the clouds, and he's backlit as just like this blip on top of the wall. Really? I almost, I don't know if I like that better or not, but that is definitely different. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's definitely different. Mm Mm-hmm. Because here, um, he gets to the top of the wall, and we're seeing him, like, he's walking towards the wall. I like that it looks like the wall's made up of old cars and junk, yeah. or at least there's a bunch yeah. of cars and junk along it. And then you've got a page with two panels, a larger panel and a smaller panel, and you're looking, like, front on at Oink. And then the next page is pulling back from him, except he's looking, like, towards camera, and you pull back, he's on top of the wall. You pull back farther, you can see that it's like the top of like a, a volcano-looking crater. And you pull back even farther, and there's other craters and a lot of like deserty area. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's interesting that he decided to change that. Change that to where you don't see anything. I like that idea of you know mm-hmm. it's beautiful, and then you don't know what he's looking at. Mm. Maybe it makes it seem more hopeful because I know you thought there were cities, but I didn't. I didn't think that. What I was thinking was that it was just the, the world had kind of gotten screwed and what was desolate. And I think that that he thought that was beautiful because the world he lived in was so messed up. It would be better if there was just like nothing there. Well, I'm assuming it is kind of desolate still because there's a lot of open area there. It's not like just a ton of craters. No, I know, but I mean, I'm, I'm talking about his frame of mind. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Being different, being like. Yeah, it should, there should just be nothing rather than this. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. Um, but in the later on, like, it'll occasionally go to where he's talking to the priest and it, when he's in prison. Mm-hmm. And he, I think, even says towards the end that he's he killed, what, thousands of people that day. Mm-hmm. And he'll kill thousands more, mm-hmm. you know, uh, later. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, there would be other places for him to go and kill all these people. And where is he at in this prison? Because it kind of seemed like he left heaven in total ruin. Right. How, how, does, how does the epilogue end for you guys? Okay. Is it, I'm assuming that they didn't totally change the ending. I would really hope not because that's what I think adds a lot of the heft to it. Um, epilogue, he's talking to the priest guy. And then you've got... Um, you would have to assume it's hanging oink from, um, like, uh, what are those electric line poles, light poles, mm-hmm. not light poles, but power line poles. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's the bird on the top and the bird flies off. Yep. Yep. Okay, good. Good. I was hoping he didn't change that because that's like a pretty strong image. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you, can, can you see the other people hanging like behind him? Behind too? him? Yeah. There's like, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's silhouettes, but yeah, there's other people behind him. Right. So cool. Yeah. So it's pretty final. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think there was more. I think there was another oink past this. Really? But I mean. Kind of like the crow though. Like, well, it's oink, but it's not oink. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure. I had, I didn't look into it too much, but I would assume because between his execution and this is basically his origin story. You get the impression that there's been a lot of time passed. Like even when oh. he talks, when he talks, his language is like 
less grammatically correct earlier on. But when he's talking to the priest, he still says things a little funny. But if you notice, it seems like his uh, he speak he's more well spoken. Mm-hmm. So I assume right. that like he's aged quite a bit. And they hint to him having murdered a whole lot of people beyond heaven. Yeah. So you know that I think the finality of this hurts. If there's a sequel that does follow him more, hurts the sequel mm-hmm. in a way, but it does at least still leave open lots more adventures. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Because there is that time jump mm-hmm. between him standing on top of the wall to, oh, he's in prison. Mm-hmm. And he's really gnarled at, at the yeah. end. And I mean, he's a little gnarly in the beginning, too, but. Uh, he looks like he's been through. He's been through a lot more than we saw him go through. Yeah, right, right. Um, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. You can tell it's a product of the nineties, mm-hmm. but I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it feels dated reading now. But you can definitely tell, like it makes sense that it came from right in the middle of the mid nineties. It's like, what if uh, the Punisher had starred in uh, Orwell's Animal Farm? that's actually probably a pretty good uh, assessment right there oh that's funny get on that marvel (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i enjoyed it and it it went really fast i mean like we we went from what did we read last oh yeah uh bring on the bad guys to this to this and it was like whoa i read this in like two sittings or something. Yeah, you had this ready to go last last episode, but we hadn't got to it yet. Yeah, we when were... I had read it, I had read it like right away after like two months ago's uh, recording. So I actually had to flip through this to remember a lot of things today. But this, along with our poll list pick um, that we'll talk about later, I blew through both of those really quick. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and they were both... With the exception of the fact that, like, the end of this is, like, it is it is a downer, and it is so final. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily want to, like, feel like I needed to read on, but I could have read more, oink. And then the pull list pick, I was really tempted to keep reading, but I didn't, so. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you got a little taste. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, wh- where's this going? And then Walking Dead was a... Uh, We'll talk about it, but it was very much like watching season two of Walking yeah, Dead. Yeah. The first half drug for me, and then and then it picked up at the end. I don't know why, but we'll talk more about yes. that in a little bit. Okay. Um, any any final words on Oink? Would you recommend it? What you know? What what else? I wouldn't recommend it to kids. Oh no, no. <laughs> so yeah, it's no, it's not intended a... for mature audiences. Mm-hmm. If if our review didn't uh, clue you in on that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Parental discretion is advised. Yes, there's violence and vulgar vulgar language and mm-hmm. and a lot of really disturbing images. Yeah, yeah. The imagery was good, but it definitely was disturbing, and it had that like that's other than the fact that it's such a dark story. Um, that '90s, like, look at this. You shocked? You shocked? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't. I don't think it necessarily felt exploitive. No, it all, I think it all fit it it, within the story yeah. well. It's I, just. I think. I think if the concept sounded cool, 
And if this was filtered through someone else, um, it would have come across as like, oh, come on, you're trying too hard. But I think Mm -hmm. it really just works here. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what Oink does to be likable, but he is kind of likable to me. He's like that anti-hero kind of character. Yeah. It's because you get to see his in his eyes all the time. I like the I like the shots of his eyes, but you know mm-hmm. they do that quite often. Yeah, you get to connect. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, in fact, the cover is just his eyes, and he's it looks like he's blind in one eye. Yeah, at the end, yeah. Tears out the the uh, the door of his cell. So yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I'm glad you recommended it to me, Jesse, because I had never heard of it before, mm-hmm. and it is exactly the kind of thing I should have read already. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you like, uh, if you like dysto- dystopian futures and that kind of thing, and yeah, d- I definitely recommend it because yeah. it was cool, and the art is amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm I am really curious to see what the original looks like now it had that pink floyd the wall like as in the movie Um, oh yeah that feel like i'm pretty sure the guy was definitely influenced by that at some point but it's got like the feel of some of the like nazi um weird infused hammer imagery in the animations from pink floyd the wall only Mm -hmm. painted and ramped up to like 37 yeah in the art style, but yeah. 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 I read some of it at work when I, you know, so a lot of it, I'm in the sunlight. And so when I got home, I'd have to double check. Cause I'm like, I'm not sure if it was really that dark or if it was because the sunlight was there and it made it look darker, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, it was really good though. All definitely, up. definitely noir style. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Futuristic noir, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. With a touch of like Sin City, but not, but played like straight, you know, from the bit of Sin City that I'm aware of, it seems a little tongue in cheek at most times. Mm. And this is like, plays, it plays most things like there's some humor in the art and the fact that the angels are the enforcers, but it is, plays it pretty earnestly and serious yeah that's three three thumbs up would you guys call this a would you think this is a horror story is this a a full page bleed out kind of situation because of the look of it i i could yeah i could say that i could classify it as that i think it's probably more like if you want to break down genre more of a um sci-fi that's what i was thinking uh i guess dark sci-fi Story. So like like I uh, alien uh, Prometheus kind of thing Predator so, well, yeah kind of because like those maybe not so much Prometheus but I guess a little bit but, <laughs> right, yeah, but right. Alien and Predator definitely dip into horror as well <laughs> oh true true it's like a twi- it seems like a Twilight Zone type hmm. type thing to me like it fits with sci-fi and horror in that weird kind of oh yeah sure, sure. Um, yeah area that that a lot of of twilight zone stuff did it works as horror because it's dark and uh, horrific really Mm -hmm. but if you like analyze the setting and what exactly happens it'd be kind of a sci-fi right right okay a sci-fi noir tale noir horror which is fun to say 
Yeah, you just keep saying it because you want to say it. You like the word. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to see her like, Bubbalope, Potawatomi. Yeah, but you don't have a reason to say those things. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they're fun. <laughs> <sighs> All right, what's next? Moving right along. Uh, Planetary? You want to talk about planetary? Okay, if we have to... Yeah, that's, that is about the order we usually do things. Let me pull up com, where you can find all of our stuff as well as vote in our monthly poll list. Yeah, tell us what we should read, peoples. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but in case it's changed. Because it was neck and neck. It was neck and neck the last couple days. But let me double check it. GrawlixPodcast.com Works on your mobile device. And real quick, I want to say, I have been very impressed with most of our pull list um, Mm -hmm. picks that we've had to read. Like, a lot of them I hadn't really ever heard of before, and they've all been really good. Yeah, yeah, we haven't had a slouch yet. Mm -mm. So don't vote for slouches. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, avoid this. Don't don't give us slouches. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yeah, uh, it looks like uh, the crow is beating Batman Arkham Asylum by one vote. Yep, that's where it's been sitting at for a little bit. With uh, uh, why the last man still in third place? Nice. The crow was just added. I want to say this last month, and it it shot up there past everything else. Uh, you can always go to GrawlixPodcast.com in the right-hand uh, sidebar, or if you go to the readings, the reading list page, um, you can vote on what we're going to read, and you can add your suggestions. We've had a couple suggestions added recently um, that look very interesting, including The Crow, which maybe a couple weeks ago it was added. And I don't know who add who, like, when you add it, you, you just, you know, type it in other, and then eventually I add it to the list, but I don't, it doesn't tell me who. Mm-hmm. It got added, and it shot right up there. Yeah. So, well, that's that's good though. I've never read the I've never read the original Crow. I've never read any Crow. I've seen the movie, obviously, but I read some of the newer stuff that IDW had released, and yeah, I tried to read some of that. Um, I believe I, I I own I own the trade, but it's been a long time since I read it. I, you know, I think I read it when the movie came out. Because that's what everybody did. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I well, not everybody. It got popular somehow. I, yeah, I well, I, yeah. How did it get popular, <laughs> the movie? Yeah. How did the movie get popular? No, the the book. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But I was, I don't know that it holds up as well anymore. The movie? Yeah. Oh, no. But I loved the movie. Like, I was yeah. at that perfect oh, yeah. age and into the right things that that, that movie was for me. That time was like super special for anybody that had a long coat. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh god! It's true. Because <laughs> uh, what Duncan McLeod from the uh, Highlander TV series, he basically wore that coat, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, you know the Crow, he basically wore duct tape and that coat. Yeah. <laughs> and was it? Or even Walker Texas Ranger wore that coat, except mm-hmm. brown. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It carried up kind of through the Matrix. However. Oh, yeah. True, true. And then so it, then you had that coat with less color. And then it kind of got... Never mind. 
and then call him, <laughs> then call him by and put a little bit of a damper on long oh, coats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was debate. I didn't know how hard I wanted to hit that point, but mm-hmm. I softened it. <laughs> it could have been horrible. I didn't mean that. So anyway, yeah, but yeah, it it's definitely something that was much better at the time it was released. But it's still okay, and I love it because I use it for other movies. Like when th- when there's like ridiculous bad guys, I'm always like, "Fire it up, fire it up!" <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It does become yeah. a reference to like, yeah, um, the top dollar, and well, they have such like like cartoon nicknames, which of course in the movie they they allude to that. Mm-hmm. So I. <laughs> But I've never read I've never read the graphic novel or anything. Yeah, I think it's a little different, and uh, I believe they're remaking the Crow. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. Which I, you know, it's like part of me thinks don't do it, and then the other part, of, and and I'm as we know, I'm against remakes. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe there has been enough time. The movie is so different from the core material. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's it's close, but. It's not. There's there's still room for improvement if you want to get, you know, like really true to the material. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's smart about the story um, is that it has that built-in potential for other crows. Right. What's unfortunate is that all the sequels were god awful. I've never seen any of them. I've seen the second one, and I'm not sure if I... I might have seen part of, like, the third one. At one point, I owned them all. Yeah. Uh, except I owned the second one on VHS, and I just couldn't stand to have it in my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... And there was even some interesting imagery stuff that happened in that movie, but mm-hmm. the story and acting were so horrible <laughs> that I couldn't, couldn't own it any longer. Um, and I, I think that I think that all of the movies really um, had some redeeming element or something, but yeah, ultimately they were all really bad. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, like the third one. Um, I think the I think that the idea was okay, and then you got to the bad guys, and the bad guys were so over the top that it's like. <laughs> No, say I think the same thing happened with the last one. I can't remember who the the last crow was, but it was like a, a name. Like they finally had a name attached to it. Which one had Edward Furlong? That's the last one. Okay, long after Ed for Edward for long after T two. Yeah, and then and then I was I'm thinking, okay, yeah, he would he would be a good look for this crow. Mm-hmm. And then you've I think it's David Boreanaz. And he can even play a bad guy, but usually his bad guys are pretty campy. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, um, granted, the first Crow had some campy bad guys, but this is just like you threw uh, Batman 66 villain in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, no, you guys gave him a horrible script because he could do a lot better than this. I remember there were a lot of copies of The Crow floating around when the movie came out, but I just never got my hands on one. Well, they immediately remade it, too, I believe. Didn't uh, Todd McFarlane do a like remake of The Crow like not long after the movie came out? Sounds like something he would do. 
in the nineties for sure. Because it's uh it's J J O Bar. J yeah, yeah. Is the original author and artist, I think. I think he, he does it all. I think it's another you know, like oink. Mm-hmm. It's all one guy. Um but then yeah, I think that Todd McFarland did a version. So I'm not even certain which version I remember better. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm definitely in I'm I'm excited to read it. I'm curious how it comes across. Um would definitely be a good double read if there is such a thing with uh with Oink hit that dark nineties thing going on. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Dark, double feature. Yep. Artist writer, dark nineties double feature. Yes. Um so yeah, so that's what we'll be reading uh this this month and we'll talk about it on our next episode. But today we're talking about something else. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Specific, I can fill you in on what we're about to talk about. Uh, Planetary. Specifically, Volume 1, which is title has... It's Planetary Volume 1, All Over the World and Other Stories. is written by Warren Ellis. Art by John Cassidy. And color by uh, Laura Martin. And this ran 27 issues and three one-shots. We are going to be talking about issues number one through six. Right. Um, I don't have a synopsis because it's kind of wild, and each up, each issue is almost its own thing. So I figure we can kind of break it down like that. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that, and I commented to Randy when I after I started reading it. I'm like, it's like watching episodes of mm-hmm. of like a an X Files or something. Only cooler. Mm. It is very much that way. It does have, I mean, it's not monsters always, and several of the issues connect the storyline. There is, like, Mm storylines that thread through, but it is almost a monster of the week, and you've got your reoccurring characters of, like, agents, so to speak, to investigate or at least kind of get involved. Uh, My initial thought was that it's kind of like a modern day uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, hmm. but without pulling literary references. Right. It's yeah, it's almost pulling you know current uh, pop and comic book and movie references. Um, yeah, it uses um, uh, non copyright infringing uh, analogs for a lot of popular characters, and I thought that was interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, so the first issue, I, 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 terrible with names, including character names. Um, we basically meet who we are going to like, go, you know, the reoccurring characters here. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, I want to say his name was Snow. Yeah. His name is, the guy's name is Snow. Uh, he's a kind of a, kind of a, a white haired guy who's been alive for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we meet... Jaquita Wagner. There you go. That sounds right. I'm going to go ahead and open the book up here because... And then the other... And then the drummer. Yeah. And that's kind of our trio of characters. Uh, we come in on... I believe we come in on Snow. Yeah, he's... It starts, I believe, with him in the diner where in the town where he lives. This first issue is just kind of like putting the team together, basically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, he's sitting there and she shows up and basically asks him if he wants to become rich and go do stuff or just sit there 
<laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because okay, and they all have kind of um, they all have abilities, mm-hmm. and uh, the first thing we learn about Snow specifically is that he's about a hundred years old, mm-hmm. and he looks. 30, 40, 40? I'd say 40. Yeah. Yeah, middle-aged maybe. Mm-hmm. And we know that he's basically been hiding out from the world mm-hmm. in some kind of crappy area for a uh, couple decades. Yeah, it, it it struck me as interesting that they chose to have him in the desert because he looks like an albino. And I'm like, really, you're going to have a guy that white and he's going to be living in the middle of a desert to hide? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hadn't really thought about uh... that. And, like... He has cold powers. Yeah. So that's interesting. And then, did you say Jaquita? Jaquita. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really find out what all her powers are. They just kind of like show them off here and there. Yeah. She seems uh, uh, indestructible and super fast mm-hmm. um, and super strong. And that seems to be her main thing, but they don't ever really, at least in what we read, get into, we get a little bit of Snow's backstory, kind of, um, but we don't ever really get hers at all. Mm-hmm. And then, right. and then the drummer communicates with machines or something. Yeah. And he's got like, uh, like you can't like an anti-surveillance field around him oh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they recruit, basically, Jakita recruits Snow into uh, this organization. It's called Planetary, wasn't it? Yes. The organization. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it just kind of seems like their job is, and this is breaking, this is like just it's telling you everything, but what we read is their job is to go and kind of investigate kind of record data about strange occurrences and strange entities. Mm-hmm. And it seems like for the most part, they're not supposed to get involved, although they kind of do. Well, maybe a little bit get involved. Like if somebody, if there was some creature tearing up a city, they were probably supposed to, if not kill it, at least contain it. Mm-hmm. And I think actually I, I would want to say part of their job is to also to collect things if they can. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so like Men in Black meets Agents of Shield meets X Files. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all have superpowers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like they pick uh, this comic book thing or this movie thing, and then mm-hmm. like kind of dig into it. Uh, this first issue, you have. Did we decide that he was kind of like a Doc Savage character? I thought he was a Doc Savage like character. Yes. But this guy who is also like a hundred years old, who had a, a team back in the would have been what the like the pulp in the golden age yeah. of comics, like that type of team mm-hmm. and a pulp novel mm-hmm. team of like s- superheroes. Um, they come across this guy basically, and his their crazy computer that could open or gain access to the multiverse. Mm-hmm, basically. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of... I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff, especially this first episode issue. There's a lot of stuff going on in terms of, like, ideas. Mm-hmm. Because you've got this pulp pulp novel, Golden Age comic superhero team. Um, you've got this guy who's basically been, uh, so to speak, standing guard in a cave since... Um, 
how long? The forties. Like the forties, yeah. Uh, and his legs are all like deteriorated. Deteriorate. Oh God, <laughs> I can't say that word. Deteriorated. God, what happened? When did I get a speech impediment? <laughs> <laughs> Every time you stand in for the microphone, baby. <laughs> Every time I talk. <laughs> yeah, and uh, because he, he was injured, his legs were injured. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise. He has, at one point, had trained himself that uh, in such a way that he didn't need to eat, and he did not age. And he didn't sleep. And he didn't sleep. Um, or he didn't need to, at least. I don't know. I think if I was trapped in a cave for 50 years, I might take a nap or two. That's dedication, though, because he, he had <laughs> was holding a gun, and he was keeping anybody who came in there away from the computer. Mm-hmm. When they, they, like, fend off these guys that so obviously look like the JLA. It, no kidding, yeah. That was one of my favorite things about it. It was uh, like, so was he a bad guy? Because we don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. Because he said they they looked across from another planet and wanted to invade ours. Or, well, theirs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I got such a thrill out of that. Because it's obviously Batman... Mm-hmm. There's a very strange-looking Superman analog. Mm-hmm. Um, Aquaman looks like a merman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the Flash. I mean, they're all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got like a um, Martian Manhunter mm-hmm. wannabe. Mm-hmm. A, a, a Green Arrow, or not a Green Arrow, a Green Lantern type, except he's blue and he's got like a glove thing. Mm-hmm. And then a Wonder Woman type. And they had fought them off back in the 40s. I bit my tongue a little bit. Yeah, I think they were saying that they their planet was dying or something, and that's why they mm-hmm. attacked. But I found reading this first issue was very interesting, particularly after reading all the recent DC multiverse stuff, the mm-hmm. multiversity, oh yeah, and, I bet. The, yeah. and the convergence stuff. Um, and this series, not that not that that's a new concept to comics. I mean, I'm sure that's part of, partially why they you know Ellis dove into that here. Planetary was late 90s, I believe. Or, like, 99 through 2000-something. But, yeah, it was just, you know, coincidence, but it was very interesting reading a lot of the same concepts explored here that Grant Morrison, specifically in the Multiversity stuff, was hitting super hard, Mm -hmm. which also included a lot of analogs of characters that the company didn't own. Yeah. So, so I'm curious, then, this is Wildstorm? Um, oh, who was it? Good question. So would that be, uh, you know, like, uh, and maybe this is spoilers, I don't know. Does Planetary play into Convergence and all the new things with DC? No, they uh-uh, they don't. Not that I'm aware of. They didn't really play that into it at all. Um, but I know Planetary ran, like I said, 27 issues, and there were three one-shots. And one of the one-shots was, like, a Planetary Wildstorm crossover and the other two mm-hmm. were planetary dc crossovers there's a mm. batman and a justice league one which i really want to read i want to read that so bad because you know yeah well especially in light of this issue mm-hmm. okay i'm just curious so at first reading this issue the introduction to snow and then jakita and then the drummer who i'm still not really fond of the drummer i was really kind of like i don't know that i am interested by these characters mm-hmm. um and it i mean before long it this it picks up quick and puts you into like okay here are these pe- these people but here's what the book's really about right um and once it hit that i was totally into it i was like oh yeah i like i like the 
the the throwback characters. I like the uh, uh, the wild multiversity stuff, mm-hmm. um, and the fun uh, DC characters nod. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then as I read more issues, I kind of I'm still not a fan of the drummer, but I, I the uh, the main characters became more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the mystery that they build around them. Right. I personally am not especially fond of any of the characters, mm-hmm. the main characters, but I don't care because it's not about them. It's about Yeah, that's a good point. the other stuff. And that's right. that's what you want to read. Mm-hmm. Or that's what I want to read at least. Uh, do we want to talk about issue number two? I love this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, issue number two. Uh, we go to, what did they, Island Zero? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that what they called it's, it? It's either Zero or X. Too. It's one of the two. Um, the cover had me intrigued. I was like, oh, oh, what's this? Um, then we're following some guys. It's like kind of a radical, like a radical group. And they've gone to Island Zero where nobody's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure it seemed convoluted, but uh, like not in the stories, not in like convoluted in the by the on the writer's behalf, but convoluted on the character's behalf of like what they're even doing there, because it was some like because oh the first group yeah the the like it not, was, I don't want to call them terrorists but the radicals no they were they were they were kind of like a terrorist radical religious group because the one guy was like their messiah or something yeah and i think it's he was kind of a nut bar and he wanted to go there and be isolated so that he could get inspiration to write something some propaganda he's got he's got the best lines that make absolutely no sense Mm -hmm. like his first line in the whole book is probably not something i can read on air (laughs) (laughs) but it's awesome Mm. and they while they're there they come across a uh a large looks like monster corpse, and it's totally Mothra. Oh yeah, yeah. that's totally. the first one. Well, I was like, "It's Mothra." Well, and and it should have been kind of a giveaway to say it was it Island Zero because uh, what is it? Uh, King Ghidra is Monster Zero in Godzilla versus Monster Zero. Mm-hmm. They go to that. They go to Pluto or whatever, and yeah. So it was a total nod from the very word go. Mm-hmm. Monster Island is now. Monster Zero Island or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and then our group, uh, the planetary group, um, gets word of something going on over there, so they go to check it out, and we get a little mm-hmm. of a exposition about what this place kind of what this place is. Mm-hmm. More, I even her thing. She's like, we know what it's not. <laughs> it, yeah, um, just that well, it's we a get scary to, place. We also get to find out that basically planetary is international. That mm-hmm. they have branch offices or whatever. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this group eventually finds a, a very Godzilla-looking body. Mm-hmm. Like, it's to the T pretty much Godzilla. Um, corpse body, and they go in inside, and this guy's all crazy, but they're, yeah. it's <laughs> He's like, we've got to eat this. They're yeah. going to eat this rotting Godzilla body. Yeah, raw, yeah. by the way. Can't cook it. Yeah, for some reason. And, yeah. of course... Because you know, he's crazy. Yeah. His guys don't want to do that. This is after they find basically the skeleton of Ghidra. Mm-hmm. So kaiju fans, you would really dig the second issue for sure. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's not what the whole series is about. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> I would I would have read more of this. Oh yeah, I, for sure. I want them to go back and be like, yeah, this is important because Godzilla. I mean, not Godzilla. <laughs> Yeah, not Godzilla. <laughs> That's what we call him now. Not Godzilla. <laughs> not Godzilla. 
<laughs> but yeah, the the planetary team went there basically to try to not get these to get these guys to not see the things that they're already seeing and to keep them quiet if they do. But by the time they get there, they don't have to do anything because um, there was some other group military group there. And when they came out, the crazy guy went even crazier and just dropped some gas bombs and killed everybody there. So they, by the time they got there, everybody everybody's dead, dead, everything's done. And they're like, okay, well, we got to see yeah. this island, now it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they really did nothing in this issue. Mm-hmm. But- Which is a, another, in later issues also, becomes a thing with him. He's like, we don't do anything. We just like show up and look at stuff and then leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess at the end, they do show... Um, Oh, would that be Rodon? Like, basically everybody died except Rodon. Mm-hmm. And they just go, that's great. <laughs> and that's how it ends. I like... Oh, Rodon's I, still alive. I do like the one chick's attitude, the Jakita's uh, attitude, because it's very much like, she's like, we're just here to make sure things are still weird. Yeah. And then she, they find weird stuff, and she's like, oh, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Isn't it wonderful? And yeah, like she's super <laughs> thrilled about this yeah. crazy stuff, and yeah. I enjoyed that bit. Well, I think especially because earlier in the thing, she had said that all the monsters were dead. Mm-hmm. So when that one came flying out at the end, she was happy because they're not all dead. Uh-huh. Yay! There's monsters on Monster Island. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At this point, I'm I'm enjoying the writing because they did get there, and not much, and they didn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Not much in the issue happened other than to be like, hey, here's Monster Island. But there was enough, like, with the crazy radical guy, um, there was enough interesting dialogue and just, like, what is going on to grab my attention. Yeah. Like, there was some substance there, even if it was just crazy and in the end didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was still probably one of my favorite issues out of this run. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and it's for definitely the most uh, recognizable um, setup. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This one was almost pl- uh, blatant. Yeah. I mean, it was blatant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. When the next issue? Um, my phone's being slow. I was trying to get to the next issue to see what it was. This is the one with the ghost cop. Oh, yeah, oh. ghost cop. Okay. I don't know if this is a play on anything. If it is, I'm not familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was really strange. Yeah, yeah. It did, was. Did you not like it? It's my least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I li- and this is probably probably part of what annoys you is about this one. I like that it hints on some like big crazy things, but it doesn't really go into it. Like towards the end of this issue, they find this. That big, like, ghost machine? Ghost machine with hard drives and stuff. Um, And then they don't, like, ever really discuss it again. I mean, it's mentioned later in a later issue, but it's Mm -hmm. not, like, explored. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, like, the best part of the book was this big machine coming up from the ground with, like, souls in it or something. I'm like, that's awesome. And then they do nothing with it at all. (laughs) So you could call it a ghost in the machine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, this is is basically we get a little... uh, We get a... A little tale of uh, revenge from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. Kind of a crow-type scenario. It is. Oh, yeah. With um, uh, this this ghost cop mm-hmm. whose ghost guns shoot very real belt bullets, apparently. Yeah. That can <laughs> yeah. zig and zag. Um, with fire. With fire zigzags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so yeah, he basically we come in on this ghost cop is blowing away these bad guys. That I thought I enjoyed this one because there was some fun sequences. The that little that beginning sequence, there was some interesting stuff done at the very first couple pages, and then kind of the actiony bit I thought was cool. The idea of like he's intangible, although of course his bullets can kill you. Um, so like the, the, the bad guys will drive right through them with his car, but mm-hmm. as they're driving through him, he could just blow their heads off. Yeah. Um, I thought there was some pretty cool stuff done with the art. The one bullet that takes a 90 degree turn to mm-hmm. hit the guy. So yeah, that was, that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Elijah Snow is a bluegrass fan. <laughs> oh, really? I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. He says that in there. I think this is the issue. I guess issue. that makes sense with his age, huh? I think this might be the yeah. issue you were talking about where they 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 go to, like, the local branch okay. and, and talk about how long Planetary's been around. Yeah, and there's a, a lady that works there that's been working with Planetary longer than any of those three. Mm-hmm. And Snow was like, oh, I thought you said Planetary was, you know, only, what, three, four years old or mm-hmm. something. And she just said she had assumed so because she hadn't met anybody that's worked there longer. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting because that hints at like weirdness within the organization. Like, mm-hmm. well, it's already weird to begin with. It is weird. I mean, it's built around weird, mm-hmm. but like, why is there no one that's worked there for longer than that? You know? Yeah. Well, one thing we didn't touch on is that there's only, there's only three field agents and then there's what's referred to as the fourth. Yeah. And he's a, he's a character or she's a character that we don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Except they have lots of money and they give them the resources to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And that's all that they know about them also, which is great. Beyond that, I'm not sure what to say about this issue. It was pretty straightforward. I liked it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess there's not a lot to... And similarly to The Crow, though, I was I wanted to add the, the, the dead cop guy is the current, the ghost cop is the current guy, but it seems like somebody somebody's wronged and, and killed, and they become like that ghost cop guy until somebody else is wronged and killed, and then they get it, to it become the ghost cop guy. It is very much a crow type it, thing. And it, it just like you know keeps going continually. And the guy said something that I found interesting because he was like, uh, "There's no heaven and no hell when you die, so this is the only revenge that we get." And I'm like, "Whoa! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I can't yeah. believe they're gonna uh, like toss that in there." Take yeah. I like that the final beat of the entire thing is a pun. Was it? <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, you people came looking for a mystery, but there is none. There's just us. Oh, and yeah. And Drummer's like, did he say justice? No. <laughs> Yo. Just yeah. us. And yeah. that's it. Last page. Mic drop. Boom. Mm-hmm. And then the next issue, we're up to issue number four. We're cruising right along. We are. This this jumps back to the first issue, doesn't it? Is this the one? No, I think the next. Well, I, oh, I'm thinking five. That guy does make an appearance towards the end of this issue, but you know, right. five's the one that definitely plays on that character, Captain Brass or something. What was that character's name? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, this is the one where basically a building has disappeared or sunk down into the ground or something. Mm -hmm. And we enter in with an investigator Mm -hmm. not connected with planetary at all. Um, and he kind of gets involved. I like this one because it starts from an outside party. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're following this guy and through like happenstance, he comes across, uh, the planetary people. Mm -hmm. So this, I think adds more of like an X-Files feel to those episodes where, 
um, you'd come in as like, you wouldn't be following Mulder and Scully. You'd be following whoever. And then they're introduced to like this agency and it's all kind of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it did very much have that feel. Uh-huh. Uh, like they literally ducks behind some like, uh, quarantined off area mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of people in suits and the planetary guys, um, yeah. Speaking of X-Files, if you guys like X-Files, you should check out the review that was recently posted on GrawlixPodcast.com. It's a review of X-Files Season 10, Issue Number 1. Yeah. And who doesn't like X-Files? At least at least some of it. Mm-hmm. You have to. Yeah. I'm not sure how to describe this story. So this guy gets kind of teleported off to this crazy mm-hmm. spaceship. Yeah, he's chasing a bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. and he jumps on this artifact that they were studying, examining or, mm-hmm. yeah, studying, uh, and, and it like zaps him away. It's like a set of stairs, basically. Right? Yeah, kind of. I believe so. It's like a weird, here, I'm almost there. It is kind of like a set of stairs. Yeah, I guess so. It is like this. Like a light, lightning bolt set of stairs yeah mm-hmm. and he's climbing up over it because um crazy eyeball crabs stuck to it or something <laughs> yeah it did have the weird eyeballs okay yeah uh <laughs> and and then he we don't know anything about what happens to him after he disappears right till he reappears mm-hmm. and then wakes up in this hospital private facility place that planetary has access to or is ran by planetary. Mm -hmm. And then he describes, he explains like he comes to, and he's got this big scar on his chest shaped like a lightning bolt. Also. Yep. And, and then he explains what's going on Mm -hmm. to the planetary guys. And basically brass is giving him the old side eye there. I don't know why I was curious about that too. And also, the color seems a little off because he seems very dark in that panel. Yeah. <laughs> like his skin tone, like he's he's got that like bronze look anyway, but his skin tone was very dark to where I was like, who's that guy? Oh, wait, is that that guy? It's mm-hmm. got to be. His legs are all crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like, what if the rock were a ginger? Yeah, kind <laughs> of. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in the other issues, he's not quite that dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does give him a weird, like kind of a dirty look, and I don't know why. I... I think it might have something to do with him having just uh, gone in and then got shot out with uh, some obvious um, modifications of a an artifact from another dimension when that guy just spent 50 years trying to make sure nobody from another dimension came to screw up That's his world. That's a good point, yeah. So <laughs> He's like, he, I smell multiverse. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying he might be a little bit wary of that, you know? So, yeah, this spaceship we discover was... Had crashed forever ago here, mm-hmm. um, but it's designed to travel between the multiverses. Mm-hmm. But it can't fly on its own. Yeah, it needs pilot. It like it's kind of a sentient craft, mm-hmm. but it needs a it needs a crew. Yeah, and this guy selflessly apparently was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do that." Mm-hmm. I'll give up my life here to pilot this thing and go find like was it five or six other people to join me? 
So the message here, kids, is be careful when you touch the uh, control interface of a strange interdimensional spaceship. Yeah, because it'll suck you into a pretty place and then ask you to do things for it. You know, put <laughs> surgically. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep it clean, though. And it'll surgically implant things in you. And make you look like a superhero, which was pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. I liked I liked his I liked his pilot uniform. Yeah, it was kind of an old style pilot. It's like it's like if the Borg were purple and gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is another one I like that. It's another one that's like here's a little glimpse of what could be its own whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all you get. Yeah. Here's Monster Island. Here's. Uh, this crazy new superhero pilot, inter, you know, mm-hmm. interdimensional traveler type guy. Yeah. But we don't get to follow him. We don't know where he goes. Right. This is another one of those moments, too, that I guess maybe I do kind of like some of the main characters. Another moment with uh, the Jakita where she's like, this is what I live for. You know, you get to go and see this crazy stuff and it's amazing mm-hmm. and, and, you know, wonderful. But she didn't want to... I think Snow, like, kind of jumps on her case... And this is where he really starts to be like, why can't we, like, why are we just watching these things? Why mm-hmm. aren't we getting involved? Because he gets on her cases like, this is this is like exactly what you are looking for, but you just don't want to look. You don't want to, you don't want to get involved. You don't want to pilot the thing or be involved with as the crew yourself. Like what, what's. Or, or I think more importantly, they weren't going to help him, uh, like find anyone or do anything like that initially until he said that yeah so they not not them being oh yeah and then snow threw himself into it and it's like yeah no sure buddy we can yeah we'll get you anything you need and they're kind of like what are you doing and he's like i'm being proactive you know yeah (laughs) i'm getting involved why aren't you guys exactly uh so yeah yeah i don't know this might be one of my least favorite yeah I, I mean, I like it. I like the ideas behind it, but it's almost—I don't know. It yeah. was—it was okay. I mean, least favorite is not bad. I like this one. Yeah. Yeah. I like the—I mean, it's a good choice. He's like a a private detective, and obviously has some kind of training here in, in some nature. But I like the idea of just some random guy falling into this amazing scenario. You know. And then, like, when he comes back, just totally willing to take it on. Just like, yep, yeah. I'm doing this. This is what's. This is my life now. Yep. <laughs> I'm wearing the purple and gold. <laughs> I look like Shazam, Flash, Borg, purple guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next one, I, I think, is, like, almost entirely flashback. Yeah, the next one, we, we learn a whole lot more about... Um, uh, Dr. Brass. Dr. Brass. Mm-hmm. I really, I'm looking at the cover. I like the cover. He's definitely a Doc Savage looking character, and it's got um, he's got this crazy like gun with three barrels, and it's got a bunch of like different years: 1950, 1973, mm-hmm. 91. Is you know behind him. I'm sorry, I'm just this has nothing to do with that. Did you ever actually get you to read Doc Savage? Huh? I haven't read. Oh, any. I just talk about it so much that you you know. <laughs> yeah, you told me everything I know about Doc Savage. Uh, okay, which is not necessarily. You know, I'm, I, I should read some. You should. It's good. Uh, For, you know, really old pulp novels, but... I think he's been brought back in comics fairly recently, oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he gets pulled in once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And and speaking of old pulp novels, this one has a lot of cool cutscenes that basically look and read like kind of a pulpy mm-hmm. fiction you, thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. You get like you get pa- passages and um I like the little like the little scenarios where they're fighting like strange creatures under LA and and uh-huh. just different crazy wild monsters they're fighting. Um I like that glimpse at that old golden age and pulp era of like mm-hmm. this is what superheroes did then they fought mm-hmm. weird creatures from outer space and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or that crazy whatever chariot that left people all like half in the ground. Oh yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, most of this is flashbacks to that during a conversation between Snow and uh, Brass, mm-hmm. who are exactly the same age. Mm-hmm. And there's there's something not and something going on with that date because there are apparently several people born out. On the same day that are all still alive. Yeah, at least three. And yeah. they mention that they both know one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Snow kind of seems to infer that he has more of a history with... It was a woman, right? Yeah. The third one. Um, but we don't know really anything about her. Right. Uh, there's some really nice character moments in this mm-hmm. um, that I appreciate. I like when they can pull off... Um, like such an, uh, like a glimpse into a character's emotion without even like word balloons. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, here I'm looking at the page and, oh, basically Brass is like, you know, because he figured when he was in that cave that it was maybe the 70s because mm-hmm. he had no way of really keeping track all those decades. And he's telling Snow that he they could have told him it was like 1999 or whatever, um, that he could have handled it. And he says... uh I mean, 44 years, and I thought it was 30. That's not bad. I could have handled that fine. And then, but the next, like, the panel below that is his, like, kind of a closer up on his face, and he looks kind of bothered. Mm-hmm. And I just like that glimpse into, like, he says, you know, I could have handled that, but then the next panel is, like, he's kind of actually seems pretty upset about it. Right. And the art there is, is nice. It just conveys that really well. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that um, interesting cut scene where he's basically talking to Snow about, you know, you should have been involved. Um, you don't know what you missed. It was glorious. Mm-hmm. And and then he he gets like this cut scene of uh, Dr. Brass and, and basically his super team. And, and then you've got Elijah Snow and you can tell he's like obviously regretting whatever it was that he had to do. And he just says, mm-hmm. I was busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that moment a lot. Um, Those are definitely the two, like, standout character moments in the issue. Those two stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Well, and I guess that's how it ends, really. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I believe it began and possibly ended also, though, with them talking about, I think it's, was it Trask? There was a partner of of, um, Doc Brass's um, that had died in the cave. Uh, and initially was his enemy, but they ended up becoming friends. And his daughter currently runs this company that I think has been involved in some of the... Uh, like that last story of the company that was investigating that building disappearance was the company that the daughter of Brass's colleague oh, owns. Uh, right. Hark. Yeah, Hark. Hark, okay, Hark. Close. It was a kind of a... Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, yeah. So there's there's uh, uh, interconnection there, like even more interconnection there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that also amused me because that yeah that guy's been in a cave for fifty years with that guy that died while he was in the cave with him, and he's questioning him about what what his daughter's up to or something. What do you know about? He's like. I- I don't know anything about it. I was stuck in a cave for 50 years yeah, with this I guy. Yeah, I like that. And, <laughs> and the guy, and Brass even calls Snow out because Snow's asking him these questions to the guy who's <laughs> literally been in a cave yeah. for 50 <laughs> years. And and Brass even calls him out. It's like, what are you, why are you asking me? Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So yeah, that was good. There's there's more like you get more like well, what was snow? What's snow story? What's he mm-hmm. been up to and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and it's more of the they're all one offs, but there's like seems like there's little connections all over the place. Mm-hmm. So all right, last one, and then the last issue seems. Wait. Last one we read, anyways. The yeah, last yeah. one we read. The last yeah. one of book one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Issue number six. I'm totally going to keep reading this series yeah, afterwards. Me too. Uh, it's only 27 issues. I'm going to blow through the whole thing. And I really want to get to those one shots. Yeah. This one is like the most out there issue, I think. It really it seems to throw you into the middle of some stuff where there's some, like, not just like, it's like, the planetary guys being like actively involved mm-hmm. and they're going to attack this person. And like, it's just, I don't know what is going on in this issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, I don't think I even started this issue yet, but I was about to, and you were like, they just throw you in and they don't explain anything and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then, yeah, I see what you were saying. There's, and there's still a lot that they obviously, he learned through files mm-hmm. or whatnot, but we don't really know a lot. Yeah, there's a big jump between, or at least a big jump in, like, from last issue, Snow knows, like, nothing about anything, mm-hmm. to this issue where they clearly know a bunch about a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. and they are after some answers, mm-hmm. and we don't even know the questions. Yeah. But the setup is, there is a group of astronauts from... Before, I think it was before we actually went to the moon, they had a secret group of astronauts that -hmm. they sent up to go to the moon. And on their way, they were intercepted, basically, by, like, an interdimensional gate. Mm -hmm. The snowflake. Yeah, a snowflake. And then some weird, uh, like, interdimensional baby. It's like the space baby, only only (laughs) through the multiverse. (laughs) And uh, And then they came back with superpowers, apparently. That we know nothing about because we didn't get... That's probably what was in the files that we didn't read. And now they're... I don't know if they're trying to catch him or what exactly they're trying to do. But Snow and Chiquita are... They're trying to attack the guy for sure. Yeah. And FYI, there's four of these spacemen. Yeah. There's four. With superpowers. And uh, they throw away a file that has a big four on it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These spacemen that were exposed to something that gave them powers Mm. fantastic powers maybe maybe but they actually seemed a little more hardcore than that oh well sure but but yeah yeah that's totally who it is that's who it is yeah when there's even i think there's the what the token female even isn't there the sue storm Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
but yeah, I don't know. I liked, I liked, uh, because we get this whole story of the astronauts as, um, explained to, like, they discover this file or however they come across it. And the drummer is like telling the other two about this, Mm -hmm. this whole thing. Mm -hmm. I like the artwork there because anytime it shows like the old stuff, it's got like a grainy black and white film look to it. Mm -hmm. And I just really like that weird, it's that weird space weird kind of creepy space stuff and it's mm-hmm. yeah um yeah beyond that i don't know what to say because i don't know what's going on in this issue after that well yeah. i know that i don't know exactly what they were doing but the way that when he when uh, snow was talking to the guy the way that he describes them is basically like the anti planetary people where they're like doing everything to try and stop progress or something Rather than trying to, you know, and discover sn- new things or trying to stop that. Yeah, and Snow's super upset when he's in there because he's like, all this stuff in here, like this technology, this stuff mm-hmm. in here, all the lives you could save and you're not doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. That kind of seems like his big motivation to be angry at this person. Yeah. Although it does seem also like they might have done some pretty horrible things yeah. in the meanwhile. It ends pretty abruptly. I mean, if this is the volume break, mm-hmm. I, spo- I suppose it kind of introduces you to what would happen in volume two, but it's like, mm-hmm. you're just getting going. What? This is totally, yeah, this is totally the cliffhanger. This is the volume one starts, you get the introduction to the group, you get some nice little, like, one-shot style stories, and then, like, it throws the big, like, come back next season, the big, like, chunk of, like, what is going on? Like mm-hmm. insanity and then leaves you hanging there. So you're like, Oh, I got to read more. Yeah. I like it. Oh, and I mean, it's not important, but if it, I don't know if it has something to do with their character or not, but the, the guys that were the astronauts, I want to say most of them were like, uh, scientists from Germany that they smuggled out during the war. Yeah, there was some, like, World War II mm. stuff going on, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of this technology was, like, crazy Nazi World War II technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of this happened well before uh, the U.S. publicly sent men to the moon. Right. Well, even even in the, like, the cover, uh, it's got, like, the American flag on the left side, and then it's got, like, the Iron Cross on the right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of, like, this... Uh, I don't know if it's a oh yeah you're right control panel or looking through a visor or what. Now that you mentioned that, mm-hmm. you're quite right. Um, I like this issue. I it, like I said, I just well, I want to read more. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of this overall? I mean, it sounds like we all enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I loved it. This is this is. Totally my kind of thing. Because I love sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I like horror. I mean, I love horror too. But, uh... It's just... You know, it's hard to find stuff in in the genres... In, in sci-fi specifically, actually. Mm-hmm. That that is really well done, I think. And mm-hmm. this is one of those things that I think it's it's really well done. And, and it's totally what I want. This but I feel really like... Cool. I feel like it's episodic. It, like, it all strings together somehow. Mm-hmm. But... You can read each issue and not really feel overly lost. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're really pretty self-contained, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, even the stuff that's stringing obviously a larger story along mm-hmm. um, is still presented in a way like that. That uh, the fifth issue that's all about uh, brass. Um, there's stuff that ties into like, well, what's going on with planetary? What's going on with snow? But it's still like its own thing where you're getting like kind of brass's backstory and some of the stuff that he did mm-hmm. beyond that first issue, you know? Right. Right. Uh, you get to see where some of those trophies in, in the cave came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Oh, and okay. So what did you guys think of the art? Yeah, I, I think I liked it overall. Yeah. I did too. I think I might have mentioned to you. It seemed like it changed some. I thought there me. might have been artist changes. Yeah, that's. I thought there might have been. But I think it was all the same artist. Just changed style or something, maybe. I think maybe yeah, because I was actually I and I just looked like paid attention to it today, preparing mm-hmm. notes and stuff. Um, but I could have swore it seemed like, if not every issue, there were at least a couple artist changes mm-hmm. because. The style does change okay. from story to story, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's all one artist, so I think maybe that's like uh, to match the story that's being told. Right. The, well, that, that's even better. The Godzilla stuff definitely looks different than some of the other stuff, the mm-hmm. uh, superhero stuff. And then you've got the uh, the obvious, um, the flashbacks uh, mm-hmm. of Brass are like an aged paper look, and the way they're drawn is very much like mm-hmm. a that classic style. And then the astronaut stuff is, um, the old black and white film look is, is portrayed very well with the art. Yeah. It's usually Cassidy as the main artist Mm -hmm. and the colorist. It looks like is fairly consistent, if not the same colorist all the time. Mm -hmm. But there's a couple issues where there's like, um, other names thrown in there as editor or whatever. Okay. No, I just, I, I, it was something that I had noticed while I was mm-hmm. reading it. And I asked Randy if they switched artists and he said he didn't think so. And I'm like, well, it looks really different. Mm-hmm. So we went, I guess you went back and checked it out for me. Thank you. Or at least the information I found. I mean, I could be wrong. When I, that may be a, a choice because each issue had such a different tone. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, if that's what, if they were right. doing that, I really, I appreciate that. That makes it even better. Mm-hmm. It's good. Well, yeah, like the second, like the Godzilla issue had brighter colors and the art style a little bit, although not quite as extreme, reminds me of some of uh, like Chris Burnham almost style in the line work. Um, and then you've got like the next issue has definitely got a darker look and it's that, is it, uh, is it Hong Kong? Like, I think so. It's got like a Hong Kong cop story type thing. And it's kind of got that darker and more um, slightly noirish look. Noir, I guess say it again. Yeah. Noir horror <laughs> with a ghost, a cop ghost. It doesn't get more noir horror than that. <laughs> it's kind of kind of eighties too. It's like Kung Fury up in there. Yeah, I mean, the, which is totally the Hong Kong cop story. Like, mm. yeah. So I enjoy it. It's a lot of nods and mm-hmm. analogs of popular characters, um, but it definitely still feels like it's kind of like, even though its world is an amalgamation of these other 
pop pop cultural things, Mm -hmm. it kind of feels like they're building their own world. Um, So far, maybe not to the extent, but similarly to like Venture Brothers. Yeah. Where it's built off of all these references, but they've Mm -hmm. put it into its own cohesive world. It's like the world that is... It absorbed all the multiverse worlds into itself. Oh my god. <laughs> what? Uh, also, and I don't remember the number, but uh, this snowflake that had like a uh-huh. hundred and something thousand points and sides. Yeah, I want to look that up and, <coughs> and check it out because for some reason... Oh, but you can continue. Sorry. It's a reference to some type of like mathematical thing that they call the monster group. I didn't have time to look at it past that, mm-hmm. and I t- clicked like the link on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and it started showing a bunch of like sequences and numbers, and I was like, I'm not going to understand it. Okay. But, <laughs> but, it, I mean, there was more than just numbers. I just didn't mm-hmm. have time to read it. But uh, yeah, it's you know, so there's there's s- some interesting basis on mathematical theory in there. So I appreciate that extra layer of depth mm-hmm. to where it's not just like some random thing like Warren Ellis looked into this and yeah. come up with these wild theories. Well, that's what I was saying. I wanted to look up that number because it seemed like I had seen that before mm-hmm. and it meant something, but I didn't know. But I I didn't even take the time to look it up. So this book is also not for children. <laughs> I don't remember it being as super violent or anything, uh, but and this is not uncommon for uh, uh, Warren Ellis's non-Big 2 stuff, uh, strong language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And just so you know, for future reference, very rarely are we going to be uh, <laughs> reviewing anything. This, this for whole children. episode. <laughs> this this episode, this Neapolitan of excellence, is not for kids. Sorry, <laughs> kids. You can't have our Neapolitan ice cream of awesome <laughs> comics. Yeah. It's for grown ups only. We've got dystopian futures and uh crazy sci-fi multiverses mm-hmm. and zombies like i mean it's like that it's like that liquor ice cream you got to hide it for kids <laughs> so they don't get trashed <laughs> like Guinness, Guinness flavored ice cream yeah. and rum and rum cake <laughs> my final word is um i mean it it's not the most amazing thing i've read but there's i don't know what that most most amazing thing would be but i really enjoyed it and it was really hard for me not to read past issue 6 because we did, we had you know got the actual individual issues. Um, because I was like, if I read past it, it's going to be hard to stick to just these issues on the review. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, right. I was actually kind of disappointed because Randy's the most wonderful boyfriend in the world, and he keeps track of all my comic book stuff for me because I'm flighty and I'd never be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So he re-upped my comic books for me, and I was slightly disappointed that it wasn't on there. But I couldn't put it on there yet because we I had know, to talk about I it. Know. But now that we've talked about it, I'm totally going to read past, mm-hmm. read read the rest of the series. Yeah. So that's a pretty good recommendation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time for our Dead Air segment. We're talking about The Walking Dead, uh, specifically Volume 2, Miles Behind Us. This is Issue 7 through 12 of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Written by Robert Kirkman, of course. Art by Charlie uh, Adlerd. And color by Cliff Rathburn. This from from volume one, we get the artist change. Volume one was um, Tony Moore. Tony Moore, and then it changes over to these guys. And in a sneaky, sneaky uh, little thing, the cover is still Tony Moore. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I did not notice. For, at that. least for the at least for some uh, several of the trades. 
I did not notice that. Interesting. These guys, uh, these guys from issue seven on to present have done all the issues, the art and the color. Oh, right. That's a long run mm-hmm. to, to do. Um, like the writer, I kind of understand, mm-hmm. uh, but it seems rare to me that an, that you would stick with that one artist would stick on a run that quite mm-hmm. that long. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, but you know, the Excuse colorist, me. you know, <laughs> it's because it's black and white. Yeah, yeah, because oh, yeah. it's black and white. Uh, I made that line thicker. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> There's grayscale. Oh. There is grayscale. It's I'm not. Sorry. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm just. Be... <laughs> I'm it, just being difficult because it's fun. It would just be black and white line art if it weren't for the colorist. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was good. You know, you got to give the colorist a hard time. Who's gonna? All right. <laughs> <laughs> they get all the credit all the time. <laughs> you know, but on our show, I think they they. A lot of I I, I always try to be sure to mention the colorists because they do have a huge impact on yeah, it. Yeah, and and well, part of it is because we read a lot of DC, but we make a point about how the, the, between this issue and that issue, you know, the colors and the light and the dark and how they, you know, yeah, how much effect it has. Mm-hmm. Effect it has. Yeah, because so, a you know a good colorist can elevate a kind of crappy work mm-hmm. and make it better. Mm-hmm. And a bad colorist can totally ruin fantastic work. Right. If that makes sense. It does. I thought it was interesting that even with the uh even with the art change, it's relatively um consistent without being like a clone. I mean like mm-hmm. it doesn't look like Tony Moore's art, but it doesn't you know, I mean like it, it looks enough like Tony Moore's art. To feel fairly consistent, I think the the characters, um, all the people look uh, like look. There's consistency in the way everybody looks. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you can, based on look, be like, "Oh, that's so and so." Well, that's really the only thing you have to worry about. Uh, for the most part, I would imagine. I think Charlie um, Adlerd. <laughs> so I'll just say it with a question mark every time. Um, I think his art's a lot cleaner, and not necessarily in that like. Tony Moore's art is dirtier and bad, but like it has a cleaner look to it. It doesn't look quite as grungy. The zombies look good, but they're not quite as gnarled and and disgusting. I just think his his he's got a a cleaner style to his art. Uh the lines are uh less it's just less heavy on the colors and, or, you know, the black and whites. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, w- like Tony Moore, he would had like that almost Disney, Disney Prince, like angular jaw thing. So like certain characters were like super stylized. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you got to the zombies and it was like, boom, hatching. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like stylized in the total opposite direction. You're right. And this all feels like it fits together. Maybe a little bit better. Yeah. Very much more of a middle middle ground consistently between the two. Okay, so I kind of want to because reading this, it's and watching the show, and it, I think it'll be this way until I get to a point where it departs more. It's hard to like as reading it not be like, oh, this is like the show, or this is not like the show, or compare it to the show. So I kind of want to try to avoid that until after our main chunk of the review. You know what I mean? Okay. Comparing to the show. 
Right. Well, so. I was going to do it right away, so. <laughs> well, it's it's tricky because you got introduction of new characters that don't even show up in the show until mm-hmm. oh. season three or four. Yeah. And and all I was really was going to say is this is a departure already. The beginning of it is a departure from the show because we skip over a big chunk that was in the show that's not in the comic book at all. Mm-hmm. But like I was saying earlier, like the show, uh, this is pretty much season two. Um, and like season two, I thought the first half drug a little bit more for me. Uh-huh. And then it picked up towards the end. Okay, so it starts off there. We, we get kind of get a little bit of a a flashback between um, Lori and Shane. Shane, yeah. I kept calling him Sean, too. I'm screwing everybody's name up today. With uh, their moment Mm -hmm. of weakness, or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, they've just buried him. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to take that opportunity to be like, yep, we should get out of here. This is not a good spot. And so they hit the road. Um, one thing I find find interesting, and it, of course they'd have to do it this way, but the time flow in all these issues is like, it's like, you know, of course they're going to stop and that's when we're going to follow them. Time mm-hmm. slows down for as the reader because you're following them. But then when they hit the road, it's like weeks pass mm-hmm. within a page. Yeah. And sometimes that feels slightly disorienting, mm-hmm. but of course it makes sense because you don't necessarily want to be like, Mm-hmm. Here's all the uh, tedious stuff they do while they're driving down the road, you know. Right, right. And I read, I read the first couple issues again, mm-hmm. um, and that's why I didn't get to the end ones because I was just going to flick through instead. I read them, but um, one of my favorite bits is in that first one when, um, like, right after the funeral, or whatever. Um, oh God, what's his name? The old guy with the RV, Dale. Uh, Dale is like Andrew's keeping track of time, and we think tomorrow's Christmas, and. Uh, Rick's reaction is great. He's like, don't tell anyone. Yeah, he gets, yeah. <laughs> Super uh, urgent about, the, yeah, don't tell them. The anti, what? it's like the anti-Christmas special. Yeah. I don't want them to know that besides all this, Santa can't find them. <gasps> <laughs> but I, lo- I love that, but it made me laugh. I mean, it's supposed to be sad, but it made me laugh. <laughs> oh, I just been so comedy beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and this is where, at the end of this issue, we get the reveal that uh, she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. I thought that already happened. Okay. Mm-mm. Yeah, you're right. I jumped ahead a bit. So, Lori's pregnant. With a baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's about to be a bunch of mama drama. <laughs> yep. And then, so this... Still a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> uh so the second issue starts with that that scene continues because it definitely leaves on a uh soap opera cliffhanger of i'm pregnant dun, 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 yeah. end of issue there are some repeat panels this is not necessarily a criticism of it but it's something i always look at you know comic books they'll have like the same panel several times because that's you know sometimes that's I like it. It usually makes like gives it kind of a cinematic feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time I come across that, I look close. I'm like, did they draw the panel twice, or did they like yeah. copy paste? Did they cheat? Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily fair of me to say. But uh, and almost every time I look at it, and there's like lines are slightly different. I'm like, oh, they actually took the time to like draw it twice. Mm-hmm. He copied panels a couple times in here. Oh. <laughs> 
And that's not a fair criticism because I'm sure that happens a lot. And why not? If you need the exact same panel, why draw the whole thing again? Mm -hmm. But it's like the first time where I looked and actually noticed it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even like the panel borders have that hand-drawn look Mm -hmm. and they'll be like, they're the same panel borders. But Mm -hmm. uh, that's just something that's not a fair thing to like critique on it. It's just a observation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care if they have a base. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's something that you see quite a bit of. Oh yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, that just gives him more time to make the next page more awesome. Yeah. I provide, it's probably not even fair of me to mention, but <laughs> I, I wanted to, because it's just something I noticed and I, I hadn't really thought about, but the fact I've thought about the fact that I do every time in a comic book where I come across like where there's two panels that are the same, I study that thing just to see if they drew it twice. I don't know why. I study I study them not to see if they drew it twice, but because sometimes they'll have panels that look almost exactly the same, but, but there's, there's subtle differences. Di- yeah. Mm-hmm. So I checked. Yeah, it. and I think I would have. I think I would like to see just a slight variation on the face of the person that's talking mm-hmm. that, I mean, like if, if it were me, if I were doing it, I would have liked to seen that. Mm-hmm. And maybe there is now I'm looking at it. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about? Uh, like, yeah, uh, yeah. There's the, the, the two. Uh, yeah. There's basically when she announces that mm-hmm. she's pregnant and, and then there's the group and they're all stunned silence. And then it's the exact same panel mm-hmm. now with a word bubble. That's yeah. That's what I'm talking about, and it is. There's nothing different, which is fine. Yeah. But you see what I'm talking about with like the panel frame or whatever you'd call it, where you can. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. How how it cuts exactly the same because mm-hmm. it's hand drawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's really blatant because it's almost like a parallel line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, that's not a, a fair criticism. But well, you know, like I think. There's ways. There's ways to hide it better. Mm-hmm. And I and I I can't tell. Like I keep looking at the two panels. It's like, did they make it look like his mouth came open? And I think they did try to at least make it look like he opened his mouth. But oh, that's really? like the only noticeable difference, and it's so minuscule. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. I I take back my. Chris, he, there's a change to thing, even if the rest is like the same. Yeah, but like his, like his eyebrows didn't even move. And when you <laughs> talk, Mm-mm. like your brow, frow, you, you know, you furrow your brow, and so. But again, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I'm. It's not a huge criticism. It's, it's fair enough. <laughs> I feel like I stalled out the conversation no, okay. by mentioning it, but it 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 amused me that I paid attention to it that i cared mm-hmm. well it's, it's a trade thing i mean mm-hmm. if we noticed it surely someone else noticed it and wondered oh and i appreciated they come across a farmhouse and i had read i have read this trade before but mm-hmm. it's been so long that i didn't remember most of it even when we were watching uh, back back when season two was running when we were watching it i didn't remember mm-hmm. even though i think i had read this at that point um because the first trade I've read several times, trying to like restart the series and like get back into it. Um, but this sure. one I think I only ever got to once. Uh, but they come across the farmhouse with where and it's a, a, a there's a barn and it looks like it's all burnt down and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like uh, they said, you know, 
that place would have been perfect. Yeah. Um, I was kind of amused by that because at that point I wasn't sure if they were going to get to the farmhouse. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I wonder like if that's, you know. Yeah. It's interesting that they come, they eventually wind up at a farmhouse that mm-hmm. looks pretty much exactly like that one. Oh, yeah. And they say that. Yeah. 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 And in the show, it ends up like that one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And if they hadn't like ended up with, you know, Herschel and all them, I should have figured they would. I was almost like, that's almost like a preemptive, like, I don't know, the show going the direction it went mm-hmm. would have made just this one page all the more interesting. Yeah. But, yeah. again, that's outside mm. outside influences. So, yeah, siphoning gas, they find, oh, they, dis- they discuss the, for one, it's snowing, mm-hmm. it's cold, and they discuss the, uh, like, freezing zombies, the corpses. Mm-hmm being frozen and not being oh yeah and that was like a big deal like i didn't realize how much it affected them Mm -hmm. and that's interesting because i had not i've never seen anything else deal with it that way outside of was it the zombie survival guide yeah yeah outside of like the max brooks zombie stuff Mm -hmm. Ah. um I've well, never seen anybody else address it. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, Zombie Survival Guide and the... Uh, uh, World War Z. Yeah. Because that's just, you know, mm-hmm. short stories that are basically kind of related to that, so... Mm-hmm. Um, so I was impressed by that. I was like, oh, wow, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like, along with some of the stuff they did in the first volume, I like that it is definitely, like... it. Walking Dead sets up rules for like this is how this is what happens with the zombies. This is how mm-hmm. it works. Like it does make a point to be like okay, this you know it's yeah. not just super vague. Mm-hmm. Other than like how does it happen? Mm-hmm. How did it come about? It's not super vague right. at this point. Right where they come, they come across this frozen zombie and they're like, is it dead? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I think it's just frozen. <laughs> yeah. And Comic Rack keeps closing on me. Otherwise, I'm pretty much just going through it here. Uh, yeah, I used to have problems with Comic Rack, and I don't remember what I'm using now, but... Generally, it's been pretty good for me. I know Melanie has issues with it. Is it uh, com- Comic Display or CD Display oh, okay. DX is what I'm using now? Because for whatever reason, Comic Rack stopped working really well for me. It, in the individual issues, I usually don't have problems other than the stupid ad thing. But um, It's because we're cheap. But um, my, my problem with it is that if I have, say I have six Walking Deads and then some other comic series after that, I'll read the first Walking Dead, and when I go to flick, because I'm done with it, I go to flick to the next one, and it'll switch to a whole other series rather than to the next comic. And yeah, that series. that's that's the only, really, the only problem right. that I had with it. But it does it so much that it annoys me because if I don't really pay attention, I'll read like or miss like a whole chunk of comics yeah. on your phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never had that issue on mine either. I, I yeah, I don't know why it does that to you. I don't either. But Comic Rack on the phone is convenient because I use Comic Rack on the computer, and it's super easy to sync. I'm not sure. I didn't think about synopsis for each issue, so I'm not sure what happens in these issues. Oh, well, they don't need no synopsis. Okay, well, I do need to move this along because I'm having a fucking hard time. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't. I don't want to just go page I screwed page. up your flow. I just wanted I just wanted to to make sure we didn't forget introducing the new characters was my, my only thing. Okay. 
Yeah, and it was um, it's Tyrese uh-huh. and his daughter. I can't remember her name offhand. Uh, and her boyfriend. that guy, her, her boyfriend, her, her creepy guy. Yeah, <laughs> and they really like the art sell because he's got the glasses and he's always got that look. The art sells like right from the get go. This is a devious guy. He's up to something. He's always squinting at Tyrese. He's he's that guy that built Christine in in the Stephen King book. <laughs> yeah, he totally yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, there's that right off the bat. And I don't even think, I mean, they expand, like, they. Julie and Chris. That's it. Okay. I don't know where that's going, but he obviously has devious plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't really play in until he does. Like, neither one of them, really. They're just mm-hmm. kind of like, well, we're along for the ride. Oh, hey, here we are again. And now we're up to something. Now we're up to something. Ooh, we have a gun now. Finally. Yeah. Like, We've got yeah. shenanigans. We've been wanting a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, clearly we've been wanting one of those, and now we got one. Mission accomplished. This actually goes through quite a bit of stuff. Like, they, in this trade, run through two different, like, seemingly viable places to stay and live. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they do get to this town eventually. Mm-hmm. They've picked up these extra characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and right away, Tyrese is made to be like a pretty cool character. Yeah. Like he seems like a nice guy, uh-huh. um, and a tough guy. He's you know he was a football player and mm-hmm. strong and all this. And him and him and Rick seem to like, you know, say bond. I guess, but right away, mm-hmm. uh, they forge bonds. Yeah. Well, he has to. He needs a new best friend. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't remember the name of that town. But it's the uh, uh, middle Wilt, of Somewhereville, Wiltshire Estates. Yeah, yeah what, the, what the gate says. And so they they find this little gated community, and they think it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so they go in and check out a couple houses. I believe there's like some zombie struggles, mm-hmm. and this is particularly where you know it's like Tyrese saves Rick and mm-hmm. all that. You know, they take care of each other, right? So that. It kind of goes to enforce that Tyrese is not is a good guy, but also helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stay the night there, and there's some love connections. Yeah, uh, we the the Dale Andrea one I think is the most shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. Uh-uh. <laughs> After I read it, I was like, oh yeah, but I I had forgot all about it. Mm-hmm. I forget how much younger they make Carol seem. I know I wasn't going to talk about the show, but Carol seem in this compared to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because who is it? Because she kind of hooks up or at least flirts with somebody who's younger. I can't remember. Was it Tyrese? Is she making eyes at Tyrese? I, I guess so. Carol's not that old in the show, but. I think it was. But it was somebody that was surprising to me. Yeah. Well, you know, big strong football player shows up, all the girlies get a little excited. Yeah, <laughs> true. While they were, you know, people were pairing up, and while they were spending the night, I thought it was interesting where, where um, Glenn's character goes, uh, and they are already early on play play up him being a loner. He opts to sleep in the bathtub. 
mm-hmm. and lets the uh, couples and families have the other rooms. Um, uh-huh. So it makes sense with his decisions later on. And that's the most recent thing I said. Oh, okay. Um, but we could probably move on to the next morning mm-hmm. when some of the snow has fallen off the wall or the sign or whatever it was. Man, that frozen zombie was sure foreshadowing. You yeah. sure? What a, what a weird thing. <laughs> um, so what did it say? Stay away, dead inside, or it all dead inside? All, yeah, all dead inside, stay away or something. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all dead, do not enter. Yeah, yeah. At which point, of course, you know, everybody's going to, like, scout out the houses then. And, you know, everybody be careful. And what is her name? I, I can't. The one lady's name. She bites it here. Is that Donna? Yeah. yeah. It's obvious because she's super excited. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just want to get in and look at it. And you're just like, oh, she's done. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, yeah. When after she has this, like, accept, it's like she has her accepting moment of like, well, I don't really approve, but, you know, whatever makes everybody happy. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A big change of character or, like, mm-hmm. uh, character development. And- mm-hmm. There's almost zen moment. And it's like, oh, yeah. Like of all the people, yeah, she's being super happy. Don't be happy. In, don't be happy. If you're in The Walking Dead or The Game of Thrones, don't be happy or Daredevil. Don't yeah. think that everything is going to be okay and don't yeah. accept anything. Just yeah, yep. Game of Thrones. Just be miserable right. and you probably Winter. will still die. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like T Dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he even had his little. I mean, that's getting back into the show again, but... Oh, that's okay. He even had his little, man, feeling good. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> like, oh, yep, there, there, that's the end. I mean, I don't want to, like, bar talking about the show, but I just wanted to, like, try to get through a chunk of what we thought of the comic before bringing it into the show, just to, like, sure. be respectful of the comic on its own, mm-hmm. I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, because it, it is, it's different. Mm-hmm. When and while they're while they're here, like while they're all checking out houses and stuff, what Julie and Chris are like, we'll stay here and watch the house. Yeah, we will. Oh yeah, yeah. Is this where he where Tyrese catches them like fooling around? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they're teenagers, oh, right? They're teenagers. Well, right? yeah, well and he, so. he catches them at the same time that they realize this place is actually a horde. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it does that thing. It's it's it builds up to that very movie moment of everything's fine. Oh, this character's a little too happy, and then everything goes bad at once. Rick sees the sign mm-hmm. right at the moment when Donna starts to get attacked, uh-huh. and he comes yelling, and all the zombies bust out. Um, mm-hmm. So it definitely is that big culmination of like boom, big climax. Right. Um, and get in the RV and let's ram the gate. Yeah. yeah. Because for some reason we closed it. Oh, well, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In this situation, it does, I guess, make sense. And they need to get out of there. And they leave. Mm-hmm. And then they travel on roads for who knows how long, but it seems like it's got to be a long time. Mm-hmm. The RV breaks down on them, though, right? Yeah. And it's looking pretty dire. And then, and then Rick and Carl and Tyrese go hunting. And what could possibly go wrong there? Yeah. And then we meet Otis. 
<laughs> he shows up with a happy handshake and a hello, or he shoots Carl. Or he shoots Carl. Yeah. He shoots the child through the chest. We well, look like a deer. What could you, you can help it. <laughs> this and and they the show again, but they didn't even do the deer moment. It was just he gets shot. Yeah. But that's the show doing the same thing they did in the comic book with Donna, where it's like, oh, here's this magical moment with a deer. Stop it! Don't have a happy moment. Something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, there's zombies everywhere. Everyone who's alive should, like, be required to wear, like, I don't know, flashing (laughs) sign or something. I'm alive, I'm alive. Reflectors, yeah. Uh Like, connected to their heartbeat. And then when they're gone, it shuts off. And they're free, now, you know, did, fair game. Did you go out there in your hunting orange? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Carl gets shot, mm-hmm. um, and we meet Otis, who accidentally shot him. And Rick freaks out, as you know, you would expect. Uh, and I think that's how that issue ends. I think it ends on that big like cliffhanger there. Yeah. Um. So then, Otis is like, "I'm sorry, it was an accident." Blah blah blah. Farmhouse. Yeah. And we meet Herschel. <laughs> I mean, you know, I like... It. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair, though. That's pretty much... It goes pretty quick. Mm-hmm. It really does. Like, I was really surprised that they did the small town, spending the night in the small town. Was um, it even really a small town? It seemed like a neighborhood. Neighborhood, yeah. Yeah. And then also the entire farm thing in this mm-hmm. trade. Yeah. Um, that happened a lot quicker than I expected. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then, I mean, we meet Herschel and his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got what a son or is the son there at that point? And he's got the two daughters. Yeah. Um, not like, not like the show. They're both seem a little older. Maggie seems about the same age maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, but the other one is definitely like an older and heavier set girl Mm -hmm. than the younger blonde in the show. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And Beth doesn't exist in this. Does she? Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, Beth doesn't exist. It's, uh, yeah. Right. And are there not a couple younger ones, like actual small children? I don't think so. Okay. There's a, okay, it's Lacey is the oldest daughter. Uh, the one with the chip on his shoulder is my son, Arnold. Okay. My daughter, Maggie, is the one holding that chair down. My youngest son, Billy. Rachel and Susie here round out the pack. Yeah. Oh. That's right. That was, I'm like, I know there was at least the two little girls. Uh, oh, I didn't even because remember Because they were characters from some other people in the show, but they were okay. part of Herschel's clan in the book. And I, I remember that. A lot of the dynamic between Herschel and like Rick plays out very much the same way it did in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Herschel's like, you know, kind of patches up. Herschel's very much similar but they don't seem to play the religious aspect at it in it, right? Um, that he has in the show, mm-hmm. uh, or the alcoholic, the like former alcoholic <laughs> aspect, either, right? Uh, but otherwise, he makes you know he was he had medical training by being uh, from being a veterinary or being a vet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and he patches up Carl and. Um, he lets them stay there for a time, uh, but they have to continue. St- they have to. They can't sleep in the house except for um, Laurie and Rick, since Carl's in there. Mm-hmm. And he does say several times, "You're welcome to stay here while Carl gets better." Right. Um. So then, when he's like, 
well, as soon as Carl's better, you guys have to leave. Mm-hmm. And Rick's super surprised by it. Um, obviously, that was Rick not really paying attention to the exact wording that he was using. Yeah. But, yeah. But it wasn't really out of nowhere. They also got to the barn thing real fast, mm-hmm. where it's like right away, she's like, oh, that's where we keep the dead ones, you know, yeah. right off the bat. Um, yeah. And, well, and Carl got better a lot, like pretty quickly, too. Yeah. Yeah. And you have almost this little, like, uh, I don't know, like connection between him and Sophia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where Sophia is like, <laughs> gives him a kiss on the cheek or whatever. Yeah, and the whole scars are sexy thing. It's like, you don't even know what yeah. sexy is. I think that's what adults it's, say uh, for beautiful or, you know, whatever, pretty. Which was like such a, I mean, like, I could not forget the departure. You know, like, what the difference is between the book and the show oh, at yeah. that point. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, wow, what was happening to her at this time? Yeah. She was, she was lying <laughs> down in the barn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hangout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a, a great twist in the show. And really makes that barn scene just like there's a lot more oh, impact. It it so brutal, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's all sorts of like inner inner character stuff that's happening at this time because like Andrea's trying to get um was it Alan to kinda open up oh, about yeah. his grief and all that and and he's like, My wife just died. He just kinda says that over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they ex- I want to talk to you. <laughs> they exchange very very harsh words and uh yeah, she's. He says pretty hardcore things to yeah. her, and I can't remember who else. Somebody else asks, like, kind of brings it up, and he's has none of it. He's just like in shutdown mode, mm-hmm. um, and very angry. But eventually, he kind of starts to come around mm-hmm. when they're cleaning out the barn. And yeah, Carl did get. That's what I was gonna say. Carl did get better really fast to the point to where. He he's pretty much like in the room getting better, and occasionally like you see him and Sophia in there, and then Rick has that argument with Herschel, and then you see Carl standing out there, and he's got the hat on, and I was kind of surprised, like, whoa, when did what when did he get better? Like it was it's yeah. pretty quick. He's just like suddenly he's just chilling outside with people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that could be another one of those time jump things, but it's not uh, necessarily clear how much time is passing. It seems a little jarring, but I don't think it's necessarily like a flaw in the writing. It's just something to get used to maybe in yeah. the series. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you were there every day when nothing's going on, it'd be boring. You don't wanna Yeah, and give me when the zombies attack, you know? There, Other than that I'll be busy. And maybe there are easier ways to like portray a passage of time, but there are also a lot of like ham fisted ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's I'd rather just not deal with it than like have a ham-fisted thing. Like, remember... Yeah, yeah. Like, two days later. Three yeah. days later. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. One more day later. Yeah. <laughs> that would get really old really fast. When things finally go down, how do they go down? It's just an argument, isn't it? Well, basically, he figures out the whole... You know, like, he figures out the whole thing about the barn. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, I mean... Yeah. Like, they have the, they have really strong words about it. And they're like, all right. And we're like, yeah. we got to keep an eye on this barn all the while. You know, like the whole Maggie and Glenn thing is blossoming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good At this, and Julie and Chris are like, we need a gun. I, I enjoyed how <laughs> we need a gun. 
we got a gun. <laughs> we got a He's gun. He's going to pay. Uh, I enjoyed how the Maggie and Glenn things happened. It was just very much like, you know. It's <laughs> so matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. Glenn's like, you know, I just don't want to be alone, blah, blah, blah. And then Maggie's just boom, blunt. Yeah. And Glenn's so, like, uh, yeah. so do you want it then? <laughs> sure. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed that. And that quickly became like, we're in love, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and so they're cleaning out the barn and it seems like they're under the impression that that's where they're going to live. And Rick's like, I, we can't live in a barn forever. There's plenty of room in there. And at that point, that's when Herschel's like, you guys aren't going to live here. Um, so like they were making big assumptions yeah. about when, when the barn thing happens, like, like it's just one encounter. Like they find a walker that stumbles on and he's like, I'm going to kill it. And Herschel's like, no, you can't do that. We put him in the barn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, like who, who goes down? Like a, a Donald goes down. I can't remember if Lacey survives. No, I don't think she does. No, like, like half like of Her- good... Herschel's family gets taken out. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then Herschel catches Glenn and, and Maggie. And then it's like, that's all happening at the same time that Rick decides now's a good time to go talk to Herschel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, it's like the next day after Herschel's kids yeah. have died. Yeah. And he's like, so, uh, you guys got extra room now. <laughs> <laughs> that was not yeah. smooth. Yeah. Not cool. Rick. Uh, like he could say, I'm not, you know, not to be insensitive, but that still doesn't change the fact that, yeah, that probably wasn't the best time for all that. Herschel's came, seemed to come around, not that he necessarily likes it, but come around to like the Maggie and Glenn thing pretty quick though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he must have. Like, but he had other kids. I'm, I'm pretty probably he probably had already been through the, you know, the whole. They're they're gonna have a boyfriend and. Or girlfriend or whatever, and I'm probably not going to approve, but that's just going to make it you know worse if I try to stop it. Kind of a, you know mm-hmm. a thing where he just has to you know he just has to accept it. Mm-hmm. And then finally everything like you know it's a big fight and they all got to leave. Well, and, and there's that scene where like Carl's ready to pull the gun again, and Rick's like, no, 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 it's fine, we're leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like whoa, Carl, you you went twisted really really quickly. That's true. Melanie's got to look. What? Nothing. I'm trying to read into... Melanie has all this future knowledge. Oh, God. And I'm just trying to read into her face. Uh-oh. She didn't really have a look. You know, this is the look of... I didn't read through all this, so I'm not even sure what's going on at this point. Uh, I mean, I know where it, where it ends up later, but... Yeah. You know. But it's interesting, because basically, it's all amicable. Like, they're just like, well, okay, we're going to leave. Oh, wait. Glenn, you're not coming with us? It, and it, that is very, yeah, it is, it is like, it's, I mean, Rick's cool with it. Um, and Glenn's like, yeah, you know, thanks. Hey, uh, I don't want to tell, I'm not good with goodbyes. I don't want to talk to everybody about it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was surprised by it. I just didn't see it yeah. coming. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious how, I mean, like maybe this plays into Melanie's future knowledge here, but I'm like. Really? That's it? That's all we hear from Glenn now? And and Herschel and those guys are just like, they're there, and in a perfect world, they're still alive, and but not part of the story anymore? I'm really trying to read her face now. <laughs> uh, 
I guess we'll so, find I was, out. so I was just like, uh, this is where I'm, where I start wondering is because it's a very dramatic comic book and it doesn't play off of all the same tropes that regular comic books seem to. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those where I wonder, will this all come back? You know, like, will this all in classic comic book fashion come back into play? Like, are they dead? Are they alive? There they are. <laughs> yeah. And okay, so did that last issue? Did that issue end? Like they're gone, right? They didn't. They left the farm. Yeah, they just. They, yeah, they pack up, and then we get more like quick road stuff. Yeah. Okay. How does it end? How does it end? Um, they're kind of. They get a little bit further in the RV. Oh, they find the prison. Okay, that was yeah. what I wanted to ask, but I didn't want to be like, well, if they, if they didn't, I don't want to be like that's the next stop because I know that it is but I, if it hadn't brought it up I wasn't going to mm-hmm. yeah no that's the last okay. panel is them looking at the prison okay. And, okay. And, and him saying it's perfect we're home yeah okay I mean they really did take like the entirety of season two mm-hmm. from four issues most mm-hmm. four three or four issues tops is yeah. the entirety of season two which is why they had to add some more extra crap to Herschel's character because they were like, "Well, we got to stretch this out since it was only four yeah. issues. We don't have anything to work with here." Well, and that's... make it, make him a drunk, uh, a drunk religious man that'll fill some time. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> and they had the Shane stuff to work with because Shane was still around. Yeah, you're right. Um, but that's also the season where they lost, I think, the most viewers because they over padded it. Yeah. Um, when Andrea Andrea's like all militant and going crazy at that oh, time yeah, too. Yep. She's never a character in the show that I cared about. And then we and then we lose Dale. I mean like everything. This is where I think this is where the series like the series diverges really quickly. Uh-huh. But this is where it diverges so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dale already did I miss that? In in season two in he the dies. show. In the oh, show. okay. What do you mean to Dale already? <laughs> what? Uh, I'm pretty sure I thought no, I thought Dale was like a 100 issue type character. Oh, did you? I like Daryl uh, D- Dale though. Oh, I always liked him in the show. I was bummed when he uh got killed off in the show. I like him I like the show version of him better, but I kind of enjoy the comic book version as well because the show version, the show version, he was more coy about how he dealt with people, mm-hmm. and in the comic book, he's just so straightforward and blunt. <laughs> yeah, with his yeah. emotions, like, any information yeah. he has, mm-hmm. he's just so straightforward that I kind of like that too. Yeah, and he's almost like gets. He's like he's like that that uh, older family member that just kind of is on your case about a certain uh-huh. thing and just won't let that one thing go. We're like, did you did you talk about that thing yet? <laughs> yep. No, we don't talk about that at the dinner table, Uncle Bob. <laughs> well, wasn't it Daryl who went to like Rick and was like, "Did you think about the fact that that might not be your baby?" And, yeah, yeah, and then he went yeah. to Lori and was like, "Don't ever tell him if it's not his baby." <laughs> what is he doing? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what does he want? What are your motivations here, Dale? <laughs> yeah, I think he just seems like the kind of character that likes to put himself into those situations. Into the, like you're a terrible Uncle Bob, Dale. <laughs> The the hardest part of it of reading this and watching the show for me is that is the characters that there's some characters that are so different that I'm like I really really like them in here and I hate them on the show mm-hmm. or vice versa you know mm-hmm. so it makes it rough well like Tyrese is way different on the show mm-hmm. yeah he's yeah he's a lot softer yeah. yeah 
Like, they're both, like, the characters are both good guys, like, or at least the comic book character seems like a good guy at this point, like a, like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the show, he's, like, so much softer and he seems more damaged. Yeah. Well, yeah. didn't they, in the show, didn't they not meet him until, like, the governor's? Yeah, they didn't mm-hmm. meet him until after it was, that whole thing went down with whatever the governor's town is called. Yeah, so so that's why he was damaged. He had to live there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <sighs> I kind of suspect... Okay, so there is a lot different at this point in the book compared to the show. But everything that... A lot of the stuff that was in the book here, mm-hmm. in one way or another, was in specifically season two of the show. Yeah. Like it goes down similarly, but less extreme than it actually did on the show. Mm-hmm. Right. I think there was more death on the show and more chaos, which is kind of like surprising to me given the reputation that the book has. What I wonder now, in like the with, the body ca- with the body I, count. I was just going to say, and- with, I, I don't think there was more death in the show. It was just more chaos. I think more yeah. people died in this one. Yeah? Yeah, because during the whole barn burning whatever okay shane died oh yeah i forgot and and uh sophia died mm-hmm. and then maybe maybe one of herschel's people died or maybe even two i don't know but in this one at least the same i want to say well herschel shane was already gone herschel obviously we're into the show comparison time yeah. um herschel had a son in the show that died during the barn thing okay but well right. not the barn thing I think they didn't kill that many. They didn't kill anybody off during the barn thing. They killed people off during the like everything's on fire, everything's going right, okay, yeah, you know, going down. When then Otis doesn't Otis he gets bit oh, at one point. Shane is responsible for Otis getting bit. Shane is like full on bad guy at this point in the show. Right, yeah. right. Oh and yeah, because Otis he, to die. Yeah, so he dies long before, and he doesn't even die in this. I don't yeah, think. Uh, yeah, I don't think so either. Right. But I was thinking probably the same amount of people die there if you exclude Shane because he, he was already killed. And then who was it? Donna died earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's right. I guess rounds out too. It thing. is getting harder and harder, though, to compare it to the show. Mm-hmm. It's just the farm stuff. What it was way more extreme in the show. What little bit is there is like a lot of it does make it to the show. It's just again, yeah, they padded the show quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have a well walker. Come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are some great ideas <laughs> that into the sh- that make it into the show. Mm-hmm. And I like that Kirkman's so closely tied to the writing and working on the show as well. Mm-hmm. Um which we talked about I think the first dead air we did. Mm-hmm. That I, I I just imagine that there's things where he's like, if I could do this differently, what could I do? Or what could I add? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you know there's times where he's like, if I could screw with the comic book readers, what's really going to mess their heads up? Yeah. Oh, sure. Surely. But at this point, the comic book readers is such a small percentage of the overall viewers of the show. Mm-hmm. That Well, that's dedication. Over 20 how many 20 20 something volumes of mm-hmm. of reading there 140 150 something issues and daryl's not in it nope <laughs> not so ever. man at this point i would feel if i were him almost like 
you can't add Daryl to the comic book or else you're stuck with that character for a long yeah. time. I don't know. The, okay, well, or I guess maybe it, if you wanted to take some of your frustration on the fandom out on Daryl, the comic book would be the place to do it. But yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. because in the if you if you read the comic book and you follow it, the only people I would be surprised to see die, and even then, I, I I'd be shocked for a minute, and then I'd get over it. Would be Rick or Carl. Yeah, right. Anybody else is that tells me fair game. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's that's basically the vibe I got, and I haven't even read it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like from from people who are just comic fans. It was like, yeah, basically. Well, I think it was Gutters did a comic about it, and it was basically the crux of the Walking Dead comic book was Carl and uh, Carl and Rick uh, happen upon a, a band of survivors. Everyone dies except Carl and Rick. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Carl and Rick goes on to the next group of survivors. Interesting. Yeah. The show does a good job at avoiding that then because, I mean, there's a lot of people at the beginning of the show that don't make it, haven't made it this far, mm-hmm. but the way they weave new people in, organ- it feels like organically, um, like they become part of the group. It never feels like this is Carl and Rick's group. It's mm-hmm. the group. And sure, you have people that come in and go out, mm-hmm. but it never feels like Carl and Rick bouncing from group to group. Right. The the comic seems surprisingly more hopeful, at least at this point, because we haven't seen a whole lot of groups at this point, at least uh-huh. that are like dangerous, you know, of, of survivors. All the survivors so far have been r- fairly reasonable individuals. Mm-hmm. And comparing where we're at in the comics to the show, no CDC stuff at all. Yeah. No, yeah. doesn't, I, I, as far, I'm, I'm going to tell you. And was, it's not in it? It's not in it I'm kind of glad because in the show, that part to me felt so out of place. It was out yeah. of place. It didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It like Yeah, that's what I was talking about in the beginning and when we weren't going to talk about it, and I did, <laughs> that, that, that that part of the show was, you know, mm-hmm. we jump over that because it's not there. Uh-huh. And I think that's important to bring up because it, it changes the world so much because in the CDD, CDC is the one that says... Everyone has it, no matter how you die. Okay. They don't have that in. Oh. In the comic. Okay. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Mm. I wonder mm-hmm. if that was something Kirkman wanted to do. It feels like that feels like a network thing to me, honestly. Yeah. They're like, we need something to explain where this came from. Yeah. And that's very much seems like what that whole CDC thing was. Mm-hmm. Um. Which all felt too Resident Evil for me. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Right down to the super cheesy digital overlaid explosion at the end of it. It <laughs> right, just was right. not did not work for me. Yeah. Um but that's okay. The show's got I think progressively I think that, I don't know. I'm really digging the show. I think it's gotten yeah, it's progressively improved. better. Yeah. As does the comic book. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I mean, I'm sorry if you're disappointed with this chunk of it, but it gets it gets. Better. I'm not disappointed with it. I just had a harder like Oink. Of course, Oink was only three issues. Mm-hmm. Um, blew through that. Yeah. Uh, Planetary. I blew through that. This one, I got stuck the first within the first three issues or so, mm-hmm. and it just like really bogged me down. Mm-hmm. But then I got to the once I got to the last several, I I went through those pretty quick. Yeah. Um, now, Walking Dead is quite a bit more uh, dialogue-heavy than those other books, I think. 
Um, definitely. I mean, there's some pages where it's like you turn the page and you're like, whoa. But it's mostly about, like the show, these relationships that these people have and they're zombies. Mm-hmm. Like most good zombie stuff. Um, so it's going to be, if it's well written, it's going to be more dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. But it just part of it and maybe it is i have read it before and well and i th- i think it's got it suffers from that like like when I, when interview with a vampire came out you know like i watched the movie and i was like i like the movie i'm gonna go read the books but i i kind of skipped over interview interview with a vampire because well i saw the movie well then years later i try <laughs> to go I try to go back and read Interview with the Vampire, and it's hard to read. And I did eventually read it, and yeah, I know that it's different from the movie. You know, like I, I know that I'm going to get additional stuff in the book, and there's reasons to read it, but it's still hard to read after you've already seen it in a different media. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. It's hard to watch the movies after you've already read it too. Right. When you're like, Armand is supposed to be a freaking auburn-haired boy child, not yeah. a freaking Latino, not an Andrew Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's really hard to see uh, Armand as the child, even even though it's reiterated a lot in the books. It's like, yeah, I I hear. Antonio Monteras in that ridiculous <laughs> accent. That, that might enhance it. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yes and no, because then then they'll, then then they'll say how he's a little boy, and that just takes you out of it. You're like, ah, Antonio Banderas, you man child. <laughs> is it me or is the tone of this thing all over the place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> um, and having reread, having read this before, the farm stuff, I had forgotten more most of. And the beginning stuff with the with the little neighborhood, I remembered more of. So that's also probably part of it. I was like, I've read this before. I don't know. I just kind of got stuck on it until I got to a part where I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, this feels new again. And and honestly, this is one of the, I mean, it's earlier on, but it's one of the things that I remember less, you know, looking back and remembering things. But it's because it doesn't have a whole lot of like, yeah, the big shocking event things. It's less memorable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still dug it. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's it's a like following them on their journey. It's a good continuation from what we read in volume one. Mm-hmm. And there's the prison. Yep. They got to the prison at the end. Look what we 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 have prison to look forward to. Rick. <laughs> Rick does not seem to be in the same mental state that he was in quite in the series at that point. Oh yeah, because he had that whole hardcore yeah. he I'm was, the boss thing at yeah. the end of that mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Rick in the comic book seems way more like laid back and um not nearly i mean he he gets you know he'll do some hardcore stuff but he doesn't seem as like affected by it aggressive and oh, ego heavy yeah, yeah as as the carl or not carl as the um rick in, in the show i like me a mean rick too though yeah. i like uh, i just like rick i think rick's a good character i love rick in the show um and it is a he it is a little bit harder to get a grasp this early in the comic book anyway. Mm-hmm. Although it's hard to like you can't really compare like character development at this point in the comic book versus the show cuz even though like I said the end of this is the end of season 2 basically um it just 
It just seemed, that was crazy sounding. Yeah, I think it was a dog bark, but it sounded like somebody skipping a record or something. Yeah, well, I, I hit the mute right as it was happening. I, was like, I can feel him doing it. Oh, he did it. Oh. Are you DJing that dog? I am. I'm doing the transform scratch on his uh, crazy collie bark. <laughs> um, but, like, we're really not that far into the comic book series, mm-hmm. so having that much character progression might feel weird and rushed at this point. Whereas the show at this point felt like it'd been going forever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the next one, which we will discuss volume three of the walking dead. Uh, the episode after next, we take a break. We mm-hmm. take a break from it. Yep. We're yeah. going to break that and, and read some, uh, some crow. Yep. Get out our nineties long coats and, <laughs> ourselves time fire it up a bit, fire fire up fire. A bit. <laughs> with s'mores we're, we're just certainly not going to zig when we should have zagged no no, no. can't do that <laughs> uh, as long as we don't do that walking against the wind stuff <laughs> i hate that <laughs> nice Nicely done. (laughs) Oh, man. This was a long month. Like, so much stuff happened this month. Mm -hmm. Was uh, O-Comic-Con happened since last time that we recorded? Um, Yep. Feels like all the things happened. Like uh, the Doctor Who thing with uh, the Big Finish stuff. Like, Oh, yeah, the new... I I don't know if we have time to get into it, but I was just like... Oh, we're putting River Song in Classic Who. No. Yeah. Why? It, well, they're take apparently Big Finish has got some of the licensing or yeah, permission from BBC to use a lot so, some, like select new Who. Like they were already doing um uh was it uh The Brigadier's Daughter, mm-hmm. the new unit. That was the first thing that they uh kind of unveiled was that they were going to do a whole series with with those characters with osgood and and uh uh leftbridge stewart or what was it which is cool what's her, what's her name yeah so that that sounded good that was all good but they it was a huge thing that that just came out it was literally yesterday as we we're recording uh june 27th they announced that they were doing um they're, they're doing a box set which includes classic doctors facing off against new who uh, monsters. So you've got the fifth doctor against the weeping angels. Oh. You've got. Um, See, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. Sixth doctor against the Jadoon. Um, was the eighth doctors against the Santarans? And I can't remember who seven was against. Santarans aren't new, are they? No, but it was like the new, like. Oh, okay. Like. You know, basically jumping them forward in time, mm-hmm. kind of right. thing. Like they're less, you know, like in the classic series, they're all about fighting with the. Uh, oh, I can't even remember. Rudon, is that what they who they were always against? Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm a names. I don't yeah. know. It, basically, those eyeball creatures that can shape shift from. Uh, oh. Oh. The lighthouse story with Tom Baker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was one of the best ones ever. 
I love that horror movie. horror on Thang Rock or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. That's so that was announced, and then the but then that one I was kind of okay with because mm-hmm. it's you know I mean whatever it's just doc, doctors with monsters we can handle that they'll write it really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, that makes sense too because. He usually knows about the monsters when he's like, oh, these are whatever. It works like yeah. this. He knows that because he met them before. Mm-hmm. He right. didn't meet River Song before. Well, and that's and that's where they're and they're throwing him or they're throwing her. Like she's got her own series called The Diary of River Song, which that one I suppose would be okay. Like yeah, keeping like, it out of classic Doctor territory, it kind of works. Y- yeah, it, but then uh, the Eighth Doctor is involved in that series, the the Diary of. River Song, and then uh, he just wrapped up on his Dark Eyes mm-hmm. story, which was like four box sets, and they were they'd been saying, "Well, no, the Eighth Doctor's got a new series. It's called Doom Coalition." Well, one of the announcements was that she's going to be in it. Oh, I get that. Why are nope. they, they messing? They're messing with the yeah continuity. That, that is kind of messing it up too much. I think well, really River Song should never have existed because. She really only met two doctors, and she made it be like, you know, oh, I've known you for hundreds of years. No, you didn't. You know him through two doctors, probably like 30 years or something. And <laughs> because she went from a baby to a teenager to an adult in like oh. two days. Yeah. I, just, I just don't well, like River Song at all. If there was- I, You know, like I liked her deal when it was just her going backwards. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we're we're... We're meeting each other backwards kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I like that concept, but uh-huh. then they just derailed it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like like the first time we see River Song is basically supposed to be the story of her death because yeah. she gets saved in the library. Right. So why would why would the ninth like the ninth doctor would never he, interact with uh-huh. her and neither would the eighth doctor exactly. and yet yet I understand it's wibbly wobbly and they can they can, you know, they can make this all happen out of sequence as much as they want, but but don't, you know, like why why would you? But, yeah. <laughs> but can't you hear? Can't you hear the emotion in Jesse's voice? The hurt, the toe. I I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, not I, I'm not keen on it at all. Part of me wants to be okay with it, but most of me is. Well, tell that part of you to shut up because he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I want to give it a chance, but I really don't want to have to give it a chance. No, we shouldn't have to give it a chance. It shouldn't have been given a chance. I think... <laughs> I think... I'm not keen on the character of River Song anyway. Right, that I, doesn't help. She just kind <laughs> of, like, became too much Moffat. I know he, like, created her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came in during RTD's run, but too much Moffat with her character, too cutesy. Um, But even that aside, he muddied her, like, backstory so much that it's just, like, just the best thing to do is just to drop her. Yeah, he won't even... He doesn't even use that character anymore. Well, but but that's part of the... Okay, I didn't care for her as a character. I didn't like her. I hated all the... Her being their kid and, and marrying him. I hated all of that. But then he's like, okay, well, it's screwed up, so I'm dropping her. That makes it worse. You should have her in the show forever now, because now it's like she barely existed, but she was so important of a thing, apparently, why she existed. And and that just makes it... It just sucks. And putting her, taking her back and putting her in the past makes it even worse. Right. 
I don't know. I just I don't. I'm angry about the whole. I she is the worst part of Doctor Who for me. <laughs> what well, when it doesn't it won't make any sense now if he knows who she is as the eighth doctor then what does that mean by the time he meets her as the tenth doctor he already knows she's out there yeah yeah it changes everything and yeah (sighs) which i think is them keeping new who separate from classic who i mean in a way was smart in that it doesn't muddy the i mean the concept of muddy continuity is, you know, in Doctor Who, but um, yeah. it doesn't muddy the continuity too much. Uh, but something like that really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and I do trust the writers at Big Finish because mm, they true. are very, they are very clever about working these things out. Maybe they'll send her back when she's still um, the African American girl. So you won't know that's her. <laughs> there you go. Oh, you mean the friend that uh, yeah. Rory and Amy had uh, their whole lives in that one episode? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. yeah. Yeah, that yeah. retcon. Well, that wasn't clunky at all. That was the worst. I'm. That yeah. might be yeah, the we've worst talked episode. About, we've talked about that episode, I think, even on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speak, but, you know, it's not the worst episode, and I need to know the name of it. Whatever we're watching currently from the uh, Seventh Doctor, or no. Yeah, the seventh Doctor's period. Oh, what well, describe so the weird? Um, it's so eighties. It is so eighties. But I am like eating it up. It's ridiculous, and it's definitely played for laughs. Um, it's the seventh Doctor and Mel, and they are they landed. It feels a little Judge Dreddish in that they landed in this um tower that's basically yeah. like a neighborhood where people just live forever yeah but it's supposed to be like or like, like a, their whole life it's supposed to be like a like a pleasure resort or something like that that but it's that nothing going is it to. happiness happiness patrol i don't think so no okay it's I, got it's it's nothing but like older people that live there and then younger people younger girls while they're like teenage early 20s um in gangs in gangs there's the red king oh. and the blue king and then a guy, like one guy, and his name is Pex, <laughs> and he has to save everyone and break down doors. Mm. It's 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 pretty ridiculous, but I'm enjoying it quite a bit. It because might it's be ridiculous. It might be one of my favorite. Um, oh, uh, pa- Paradise Towers. Yeah, yeah, I bet that's it. Yeah, it's like okay. it's like the Seventh Doctor's second story. Oh, okay. Just after his, like, you know, it'd be like whatever season he came in on, episodes uh, five through. Yeah. Speaking of muddying the continuity. <coughs> Excuse me. Hmm. So the doctor, the doctor before. Oh, this is something we himself, wanted to talk to you about. Saw himself in the future with Mel at his trial. But as soon as he oh. left his trial, he regenerated. So. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, well, here's... Uh, now, we don't know how much time has passed between the end of the trial of the Time Lord and when he regenerated into that Doctor. But here's where it's really messy for me. And this is... I wanted to mention this to Jesse. Um, okay, so the trial of the Time Lord. Have you... Are you familiar with it? Oh, yeah. I own it. Okay. It's one of my favorite six Doctors. Okay. It's not perfect, but there's a lot of gold moments in there. Mm. I think the season overall... I think it was... Wh- I like that season way better than the previous season with him. Right. Um, but here's the issue. Our introduction to Mel is that 
the doctor used the matrix to find like a future story, basically a future yeah. adventure of him. So mm-hmm. I like that we kind of like that's our introduction to Mel is she's already traveling with the doctor and knows him well and we don't know really much about her. Except at that point, current doctor that we're with should not know her, except for through this story that he found. Mm-hmm. Except she shows up at the trial and is instantly like companion mode and they're they're chummy. And if I'm not wrong, he leaves the trial with her. He does. Which means yeah. technically there was at no point other than this like there's a huge time loop in which he never picked her up. Yeah. Like she was a future companion who showed up there and then left with him at that moment. And that's when she became his companion. But how? She right. was already his companion. And this is where Big Finish is a godsend. Because uh, <laughs> really? they basically, yeah, they have a whole, like, I think it's a, a trilogy where they're basically covering it. But the one of my favorite stories is uh, The Wrong Doctor. And it's a six-doctor adventure. And it, and it deals with the fact that he meets Mel before he meets Mel. Oh, nice. Okay. And so it's actually, it's a multi-doctor adventure in that it's sixth doctor from, uh, like, current continuity in the Big Finish universe meets uh, the doctor from right around the time of the Trial of the Time Lord. So Colin Baker has to play both parts, and it's pretty interesting. Okay. That's pretty awesome. I like that. Yeah, see, yeah, Big Finish does, does, they are pretty clever about some of their things. And that's 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 where I'm like, you know, maybe this River Song thing won't be horrible, but I still it's it, it boils down to I don't really like that character. Does anyone besides Moffat? Yeah, I don't know. Some some people do. I don't know. Why. No, some people do. Yeah, there's some I, defenders out there I can, that really I mean, want to see her come back. I don't know. I mean, I understand that there are people that like Amy, and I I'm okay with that, even though I can't stand her. But I, I don't get why anyone would like River Song. Not even not necessarily because of the character, but because of what they did with her that screwed stuff up so much. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How oh, yeah. She's so convoluted. Mm-hmm. Well, There's even her, nothing, nothing about her that really makes a whole lot of sense. Even her last yeah. appearance, I understand it seemed like they wanted to do a final goodbye with her. But her last appearance in... Um, whatever... Name of, the, name of the Doctor. Yeah was after she had already died and been put into that computer consciousness or mm-hmm. saved to a hard drive or whatever and was somehow projecting herself out of it. No. Just stop. Like, at that point, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. They just went ahead, wanted to have a final moment type thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Or so I assumed. So I hoped. <laughs> I don't mind the actress. I remember... Kingston or whatever. Yeah. I remember her from ER back in the day when I used to watch ER. Oh. Back in the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. I I never watched ER, so. She was on it for a bit. I'm just not a fan of the character because there's not a lot of her to her character. She's one of those characters where she's got her two catchphrases and beyond that, she's got two catchphrases and a muddy history and I just don't dig it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, and you know, like, Big Finish, I, and I think I mentioned this to you on on Facebook, but Bernice Summerfield is a is a character that comes up after the TV show ends, and she exists via the uh, 
the new Adventures of Doctor Who novels. And then later, uh, Big Finish picks her up in that whole decade of nothingness between seven and eight. Um, and they do stories about Bernice Summerfield. Bernice Summerfield, like if you ever listen to a Bernice Summerfield adventure, she she's basically River Song done correctly. In that she's not a time lord in any way, shape, or form, but she's an architect that goes on these time-traveling adventures and basically does everything that River Song does, but without being stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And no. she talks like the Tenth Doctor. It's like if you had a cross-play of the Tenth Doctor, that's what you get in Bernie Summerfield. She's funny. She's witty. She can match the Doctor in every way, shape, and form, and yet does not have a, an... Uh, romantic mm-hmm. like attachment to him mm-hmm. and I there can be a strong like not companion but companion character um, or female equivalent to the doctor like I think that would work and is interesting mm-hmm. which is what they tried to do with River Song maybe a little too much so where the doctor came off foolish which is okay he can be foolish mm-hmm. um but for me, it just didn't work that well with River Song, and also like they chose to, they chose to really amp up the romantic aspect during the youngest doctor, like the act, the youngest actor to portray the doctor, mm-hmm. while that while the actress is clearly much older, and it just made it a little creepy. I think. Yeah, well, it's just because you're not talking to older women then. But um, no, I'm oh, sorry. May- I don't know, maybe. Um, but. <clears throat> It wasn't even really that. They didn't seem to be that interested in each other. They never seemed to have that kind of a I could see it a thing. L- like if if you put more like if you had put more of that interaction between her and Eleven, put that with Tenant with Ten, it would have worked better because I think Tenant could have handled it better. He was well, he was like the ladies, the ladies' man doctor. Yeah, I know. But uh, Matt Smith's doctor was so awkward. Mm-hmm. And not juvenile, but he... Yeah, he was. Uh, he had, like, a weird innocence to him. And I think that's maybe what made it creepy for me. Maybe. But, you know, okay, it did wor- end up working out okay, I guess, with Rose. But other than that, I don't think that they should have them be... Any of his companions be romantically involved with the Doctor. It's just not going to work well. Right. You and every old old school Who fan agree yeah. on that. <laughs> right, right. And every new Who fan mm-hmm. who doesn't watch the old school stuff is like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Rose! Okay. Yeah. Well, like I said, it, it ended up, you know, working okay with the Rose situation somehow, I guess. I mean, the, the romance. Well, even even but... 11, 11 and Clara was okay. I mean, it's really built to interesting stuff with 12 and Clara. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that was more of just like a flirty thing. Yeah. I think it kind of, for me, I fall, I guess, appropriately somewhere in the middle. Because I came in on New Who, but I've watched a bunch of the old Who. Mm -hmm. Because, for for me, it depends on the Doctor and who it is. Like, the River Song could work with certain Doctors, maybe. It just didn't seem to work for me for Eleven. I know she came out on on, during Tenant's run, but for what? That one story? Mm -hmm. And Eleven and Clara worked a little better. Like, it was just flirty, though. But uh, Eleven's so awkward, I don't know if he really works romantically for me for anybody. 
like with right. anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know if they could make it work with Capaldi and anybody. I kind of like the Capaldi Clara dynamic so long as they don't push it into creepy territory, mm. but I like it to where it's not fatherly, but almost, you know, and, and thinking back, like if they would have kept river song the way she was in that very first episode, I don't think I would have minded her. Yeah, I agree. Like you, you felt like you could tell she had this deep affection for the doctor, mm -hmm. but at that point it wasn't weird mm -hmm. the way that it got. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, she was almost subdued comparatively in that first, in that first episode that we we're introduced to her. We get an older river song in that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind, I guess, having more of those adventures with that character, but it's so tainted by the absolute wackadoo. Yeah. That's river song that we get in like, uh, angels take Manhattan. And that's the perfect way to explain it because she was still strong and forward. In her first appearance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she gets just become so over the top. Yeah. She's like a cartoon character. I mean, yeah. like she's a, she's as wacky as, as Matt Smith gets mm -hmm. in, in a n different direction yeah. in a way that doesn't work for probably the gra I think she's got some, some chops. She's got some mm -hmm. gravitas when she delivers lines. So when she's doing something really daffy, it's like, almost out of character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a couple things. Um, for one, yay, we're finally into the seventh doctor yay. in our yay. journey through the classic series. Mm -hmm. Soon I will be able to say I've seen every doctor who that is available for human eyes to see. Um, right. I won't probably remember half of them because some of that is a lot of cramming doctor who like episodes. Mm -hmm. It all kind of blends together in certain periods. Um, but also I'll finally be able to watch some of the, or listen to more of the big finish stuff because I'll have gone through the doctors and be at least have that introductory, uh, period with most of the doctors through the TV show. Right. And I'll feel better about listening to their audio plays. And then that brings me to the other thing of, I still have a review. You you wrote Jesse that I'm sorry. I didn't post this week. I'd meant to oh, post this right. week. And I will post that before this episode goes up. I'll post that this coming week as we're recording, so it'll already be up. Um, which, which, what was that? It was the secret. What the was secret is secret history, and it's a uh, it's the end of the trilogy that they were doing, which was locum doctors, where they were taking doctors oh, yeah. out of their timeline and putting them into like the first three doctors, the doctors that are no longer around. So the first story is the defectors with seventh, uh, the seventh doctor, uh, with the unit crew. So you've got Yates and, and, uh, uh, Joe. That's pretty awesome. And then the second one, which was by far my favorite of the three was, uh, the sixth doctor with Jamie McCrimmon and, uh, Zoe. That sounds pretty fantastic. That, that one was pretty awesome. Last, the last of the Cybermen. Or the last Cyberman, or I, I keep goofing it up, but it's something to that that regard. And this one, um, this one ends it. And uh, so definitely check out my review. Uh, there's some things that I, I try I try to keep those those reviews spoiler free, but it's one of those things where if you look at the cover of the CD, you figure out 
oh. a little bit what's going on. It's like it's like you can under it's like somebody somebody is behind this, and there's only a handful of people that could be behind this. Sure, okay. Mm-hmm. So, but and it's fun. Like it's fun, but it wasn't. I don't know. Part of it is you know I hate to see a good trilogy end. So you know I think there's a little bit of that, but um, yeah. But it, it was still a fun listen. I, I liked it for what it was. And uh, as we're recording this, I'm going to be writing a review for Bernie Summerfield. It was a, it's Doctor Who, The New Adventures of Bernie Summerfield, uh, Volume 2, because I just finished up that. And it's uh, The Triumph of Sutek. Oh, so, nice. Sutek. You know, kind of, it was a seventh doctor uh, being the follow-up story for Pyramids of Mars. And uh, it, was, it was pretty fun. Just like the first uh, Bernie Summerfield was. I've, I'm slowly becoming a fan of hers, and it's like, I can't be a fan of hers because there's so much Doctor Who stuff coming out. <laughs> yeah. You're a machine on that. You've been, you've been flying through those audio plays. Uh, it's, it's pretty fun to hear Sutek make a return. Uh, yeah. He's one of my – now, that story is not one of my favorite fourth Doctor adventures. Right. But he's definitely one of my favorite villains. Just He's so iconic. Yeah. That little speech he gives, I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When that actor, his voice is just like, whoa, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. He's so chill while he's giving this like horrible, like, the world's going to come to an end and this is why it has to happen. Yeah, but it's, like, it's even better than that because he'll be like giving these like, yeah, horrible things, but he makes it, he makes it sound so like comfortable and beautiful and everyone's going to have a good time. Maybe, maybe. It's, it's like if Matthew, it's like if Matthew McConaughey were like a, like a doctor <laughs> at the ER of like, I'm sorry, you guys, it just didn't work out. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> we're like, oh, well, I'm sure you tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you bet I did. <laughs> well, all right, all right. <laughs> oh man i don't know why i went matthew mcconaughey why, why not it's never yeah. an appro- inappropriate oh, time. oh i had a thought about matthew mcconaughey earlier that related to matt uh the walking dead and i didn't say it it was like rick is kind of like rick in the comics is kind of like uh matthew mcconaughey in a time to kill where he's all like southern gentlemanly and like uh-huh. I got this. And, uh, yeah. and Rick in the, in the TV show is more like Matthew McConaughey and True Detective. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not going to mess with that, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Speaking of which, I saw, we saw the trailer for the new one. For Oh, yeah. The new season of True Detectives. Oh, yeah. Weird. With, uh, mm-hmm. Colin Farrell and who's the other guy? Was it Vince Vaughn? Yeah. That might be. Yeah. And they're, what are we hearing? I do not. I'm not a fan of either of those actors. Me either. Nothing personal. I just don't care for m- almost anything that they do. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know of, of anything really that I like of Colin Farrell's. The only thing of Vince Vaughn's that I like is. Um, I made you watch it. The one where he's a serial killer, and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, he should always be a bad guy. That's think this is the only way I like him. Hmm. I mean, Vince Vaughn's been in some all right stuff, but he was also in the Psycho remix and the or remix the remake, and that is uh, uh, that is a. Oh. A damnable offense. I don't know if I've ever watched that. <laughs> you, you're not missing anything. It's okay. awful. It's a shot-for-shot shot remake. Mm. So yeah, why do that? Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, 
you know, that's so weird. But then again, think about how heavy... Like, I'm willing to give it a chance because think about how heavy that first season of True Detective was mm-hmm. and the the leads were Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Did so not weird. see that coming. Uh-uh. Yeah. McConaughey was amazing in that show, mm-hmm. too. Right. But I, I like McConaughey and I've seen him do other stuff. I've liked, I've liked everything pretty much that he's done. Woody Harrelson kind of surprised me a little bit. But, I mean, it, the Woody Harrelson... Once you the the character works though because yeah. he's, he he's his character's still a little goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he works as that character, but like it's still a surprising casting. Mm-hmm. And wasn't yeah. McConaughey originally asked to be that character, and he's like, I don't want to be him. I want to be the other guy. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Some yeah something like that. We went and seen Avengers. Oh, I had already told him we went and seen Avengers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the worst part is like. Uh, like I, the it was the last episode where I highly recommended Avengers, and it's like since then I've come full circle. You know what? This isn't. This falls apart really fast. And I was complaining about it to Holly. I was like, "This is the stupidest plan that Ultron ever had." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like he can control it. He goes into the internet. He can do all sorts of bad things. So his plan is to. Pick up an island and drop it on things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't. It, was, it wasn't even that. He didn't even pick up an island. He like tore a chunk of land out of the ground. Yeah. Rather than just go find some random place somewhere, some island or something yeah. somewhere that rather probably than shut off easier. all the electricity and kill millions of people that way. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least you know hinder the Avengers and able yeah. being able to track him down so quick. Yeah. Yeah. Take away what's you know all of Tony Stark's money, disable the Veronica thing that they use later. Yeah, yeah, they yeah they didn't even like touch on some of Ultron's scarier abilities because he learns and 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 like adapts so quickly. He's like like if if the Sentinels had the same kind of AI that that Ultron had, which is basically the same, you know, mm-hmm. you know, game over, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Why wouldn't they do that though? Mm-hmm. That makes sense because they, they well didn't they make them after? I think I think Sentinels were create. Yeah, I don't know because Hank Pym created Ultron. So yeah, well Ultron tries to destroy the world so many times that they're kind of like okay, yeah, AI is maybe not a good idea. Maybe okay, we need yeah. robots we can control. Yeah, 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 yeah it could I be guess. too powerful, too hard to write. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. And they kind of do. They kind of do get that kind of a sentinel later. Bastion winds up being the sentinel that is kind of on his own. He has his own agenda. I love that name. Bastion. Yeah. Yeah. He's a creepy sentinel character thing, and his his whole agenda is just to kill mutants. Though it's so he's not he's not nearly as scary as Ultron in some regards. Mm. Just a crazy racist robot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and wait, were you were telling me something was coming out that was like um, Lovecraft and uh, oh no, it's Tesla or something. Somebody, it was a suggestion somebody made on the poll list. Oh, oh was, yeah, I saw that today too. Yeah, Harold uh-huh. Lovecraft, uh, Harold semicolon mm-hmm. Lovecraft and Tesla. I don't know what it is. I don't know, but it that, sounds awesome. It's got Lovecraft and it. Tesla in it. You're you're sold. 
I, you, yeah. you guys, you guys hear that? I mean, like we get excited when people put things on the poll list. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. You guys get, give us ideas because that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is, and it sounds amazing. Yeah, it, it does. does. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> We're down to like pretty much just things that people have suggested on that list. Mm-hmm. Except, well, Good. I don't know. Did, awesome. Did the people suggest Arkham, or did we put? Uh, we there? might have put Arkham Asylum on there. I, I'm not sure. Um, because when we started the list, obviously, mm-hmm. we, nobody, you know, we started the list, so we put some of our, like, list of shame stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And most of the stuff we've read have been suggested, suggestions, mm-hmm. and I think. And then at one point, anything that didn't have a vote that we added, we got rid of, because mm-hmm. we got plenty of, like, a bunch of suggestions. Mm-hmm. So if you suggest something on there, it stays on there until we eventually read it. Yeah. We don't take anything off that's ever got a vote. And if you type something in other, that gets your vote. We're pretty much down to just stuff people suggested. So at this point, um, I tweeted out today, it's like, you get to dictate what we read this month. So, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. tell us what to read. And uh, we we love getting comments and things on Twitter and uh, and on the site, and we read them all. Yes, even we do. We, even if we don't get back to them right away, uh, we definitely enjoy seeing the response. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy hearing about it. Yeah, Melanie <laughs> hears about it. She doesn't read it personally. She gets them them read to her. Yeah. And we try to get back to everybody, but yeah, we don't always get back to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Either we're busy or we don't have anything intelligent to say. So just know that we, uh, our gratitude is there and, and we love yeah. you. <laughs> 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 He's not even lying. I'm not. It's all real. <laughs> 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 oh. uh, but generally, we get back to everybody, especially if you talk to us on Twitter, because that's such a like an immediate thing. We get that right away, and um, yeah. And also, I think that, is oh, it fair to say that's our favorite? <laughs> it kind of is because Facebook. Facebook kind of crippled their pages forever ago. Like it just Facebook yeah. just I mean we I try to make sure to post things over there as well and we do get some likes and shares on there and that's definitely appreciated uh, uh Brandon and uh uh Hiroja. <laughs> speaking of which speaking of which uh like the there's such huge supporters and thank you so much mm-hmm. cuz mm-hmm. he he constantly gives us shout outs on his show and and shares our stuff and and she she's constantly retweeting our stuff. So yeah. Th- thank you both for continuing to be rad. Yeah, you two are great for sure. They're rad. They are. They're rad. rad. <laughs> oh wait, has it been said three times? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, visit the website for those reviews about the big finish Doctor Who stuff that we were just talking about. It should all be up there. And email us at letters at grawlixpodcast.com. That's letters, L-E-T-T-E-R-S, at grawlixpodcast.com. Um, and if we actually get emails there, uh, we will discuss them on an episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. For sure. And uh, clearly we we haven't had any emails there yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of... I don't... <laughs> I get so excited, I log in, and I'm like, ooh, Microsoft wants to tell me about their new terms <laughs> dude we're gonna read those in the next show <laughs> here's your letters guys we'd like to let you know about our new terms and services transparency 
Yeah. Twitter Twitter thinks you might also like to be friends with. So and so and so and so are tweeting about uh, <laughs> Bonnaroo. <laughs> yeah, popular in your network. <laughs> yeah, Twitter is kind of our favorite because I don't know. It's 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 quick and enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, redacted. Let me take that back. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter's just. And <laughs> uh, end credits. Uh, <laughs> good night, everyone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. I think that's about it, though, huh? This is gonna be a monster. It's gonna be a long <laughs> yeah. one, I think. Yeah. 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 It's been like several hours. It's been a long. It's gonna be a long one like for four, sure. Like four hours almost. Yeah, kind of. That's a beast. This is Melanie and I see Grolix people. This is Jesse. Ride Grolix, shiny and chrome. This is Randy. Grolix it up. Grolix it up. Thank you for listening to Grolix Podcast. The Grolix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vocal Arrow Studios. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0, international license. To hear more, visit rollickspodcast.com, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rollickspodcast, and like us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rollickspodcast. Melanie's eating a sandwich. Nobody had to know. The PB&J sandwich. You noticed I hit record before I even said that. It was Uh, I did notice. (laughs) Is this the sandwich you finally wanted from months ago on that one episode? Yes. (laughs) He finally let me eat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding.